pharmaceutical. Pasternak scores! Cross-ice pass from Zaka. And the Bruins strike twice. Steen scores. This one will not be challenged. <laughs> What's up? And welcome back to the Something's Brewing Podcast, episode 67. 67. The Benoit Pouliot <laughs> episode. Yes. Benoit Pouliot. Benoit Pouliot. If you're a, if you're a longtime listener and you used to tune into our um three on three EASHL on last year's game. You would have seen me, Mel, and our buddy Con playing out there with uh, Shane Knighty, a.k.a. Connor, Benoit Pouliot, Penwa Bouliot, a.k.a. Nick Melanson, and um, who, was, who was I? Casper's Dogovins. And Cas- dog, That's right, Casper's Dogovins. That's right, I actually forgot who I was for a second. But You were a bit of a dream team. We were, we were, we were nasty, but I think the team this year might be a little bit better. Um, I think it might be. Yeah. Uh, shout out Boosie. Shout out Brett. Shout out Marty. Um, hopefully we can get those streams up soon. I know the audio um, is a little bit of a problem when you're when you're playing with crossplay. So we have to figure that out. It's stupid because on EA, like you, we obviously can't be in the same party because you and I are on PlayStation and the three of them are on Xbox. Right. But like we can we can talk in like the EA locker room. It's just for whatever reason that can't transfer over to Twitch. And uh, I love how we didn't even know that first time we streamed. We were streaming for like two and a half hours. And finally, like, I think it was like Tanya or somebody commented, like, you guys know we can only hear Boosie, right? <laughs> it's, the whole time, it's just been like Boosie, like talking to the four of us, but nobody can hear. So it's just Boosie like, oh, yeah. Yeah. It just sounds oh, like making sounds up, like, crazy. <laughs> literally sounds crazy. Is your friend um, in the room with you right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, hey, welcome back to the show. Uh, episode 67. The Bruins are red hot again. 12-1-2. Um, um, unbeatable again. Nick, you have your hand up. I just have one thing. One thing. Before we get into the Bruins talk. Sure. And before that, before this gets warm, I have a little, oh. little bit of ASMR for you. Wait, 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 wait. Don't do it yet. Don't do it yet. Don't do it. Ready, ready, ready? We'll do it at the same time. Ready? Three. Two, one. <laughs> that was oh my God. That was crispy. What are you, what are you drinking? Miller Lite. Uh, all right, ready? This is a uh, Storm Along Happy Holidays Holiday Spiced Cider. Now listen, 
Mm-hmm. If, if you know me, <clears throat> I'm a big fan of the novelty, limited edition seasonal items. Everybody knows I'm the pumpkin guy. I'm drinking pumpkin beers in the summer. I'm getting bullied relentlessly online. It's fine. I'm like a seal. It just rolls off my back. <laughs> I was at Idlewild uh, in Bolton. Shout out Idlewild. I think it's in, it might be an Acton. I think it's an Acton. Anyways, I was there like a month and a half ago. And they had the storm along happy holiday cider. Now this is pre Halloween. This is like middle of October. I found them. I was drinking them. I made the mistake of tweeting myself drinking one. And uh, I was once again, <laughs> relentlessly bullied, but now we're in the holiday season, right? Thanksgiving is now next week. Christmas is right after. So listen to this pour. Let's hear it. Wow. Wow. You know what that was like? That was almost like that uh, the clip of George Bush when he's talking about at the golf course. He's talking about something and he's like, now watch this drive. Yeah. Yeah. Hang on, hang on. Here's a sip, ready? Oh, and it's not even as foamy as it was last time. Dude, you're Mm -mm. progressing. You're progressing. This is a good one. Okay, let's get back to the Bruins talk. Sorry. No, no. I I was going to say that's a... Eight and a half out of ten poor. I will and say. I'm also, I like. I'm a, like. I like IPAs. Sue me. Sorry. And uh, <laughs> like, I don't know much about them. I just know what a good looking can is. And I reach for the good looking cans. Storm like, Happy like holidays. Good, look at this can. You like good looking cans? I love good looking cans. That's look right. at this. Look at this. Speaking of good looking cans, look at this one. That is a, a shiny dude. A little bit of gradient. I might make a candle out of this or something i don't know <laughs> that'd be cool um <laughs> but um yeah dude let's let's get into this bees talk freaking last time we uh last time we put out an episode was i believe the we recorded <sighs> the night of the dallas stars game. yes it was during the stars game so beecher and um Beecher and Mason Lorai both got their first goals in their career that game. Um, Bruins got that win three to two. Shout out to the Young Guns. Um, then the Bruins play the Islanders five to two win. Shout out Charlie Coyle hat trick, first hat trick of his career. I got sushi um, because of him. Why because of him? Well, because I think he had. Uh, I don't remember if it was after his first goal or his second goal, but you know Charlie Coyle, he's like what 31, 32 now, first career hat trick. He's never been known for a goal scorer. He's been known as a I can do everything else, er. And uh, he had I th- it might have been when he got his second goal. And I tweeted like, you know what? If Charlie Coyle gets a hat trick, I guess I'm just gonna have to get sushi tomorrow in his owner. And as soon as I tweeted that, he got the empty netter and got the hat trick. So shout well, out yeah, Charlie Coyle for 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 fueling my sushi habit. Dude, not only shout out to Coyle for that, but shout out to Pasta for passing up the empty net goal and to feed uh, Coyle for the empty net hat trick. It was goal. cool. You could see Pasta when he was skating towards the net and he was like, like go, no, like, go. Like he was like pointing towards the net and Coyle <laughs> yeah. gave it to him. He just gave it right back. At least Pasta got a point out of it though, you know? He did, yeah, dude. And by the way, Pasta, I don't know if you know this. How many points do you think he has through 15 games? <sighs> Through 15 games, I'm going to say he has 24 points. Um, Dude, you're right on the money. Am I really? David Pasternak has... David Pasternak has 24 points. He has 11 Holy goals, shit. 13 assists. Um, He's lighting That's it up, crazy. dude. I mean... he He's going to be in the conversation for the heart right now. I mean, and he's kind of... I don't know if you feel the same way, but is he oddly doing it kind of quietly? It's almost like 
we kind of expect it at this point. You know what I, I mean? Feel, I feel yeah. I feel like you might be onto something there because like last year, obviously, you know, he had what a hundred and something points, but it was fueled, of course, by sixty-one goals. Right. And uh, and this year, he's doing a lot more than just scoring. I mean, twenty twenty-four points. How many of those are goals? What does he have? Like twelve goals now. He had eleven goals, thirteen assists last year. He had one hundred and thirteen points, sixty-one goals, insane, and fifty-two assists. Yeah, I mean, he's he's. Uh, I mean, we're everybody knows we're bad at math, but I would be willing to bet that he's on pace to have more goals than he did last year and more points than he had last year, which is already insane enough because 61 goals. I mean, he would have won the heart last year. I mean, the, well, yeah, the heart, but he would have won the rocket last year too. If it wasn't for McDavid. And it also helps that McDavid didn't have a goal in like eight straight games or something silly like that. I, like yeah. I think right now, I mean, you definitely have a case for a uh, your early season heart trophy winner, right? I mean, with Connor McDavid, I wouldn't necessarily say struggling, but Connor McDavid isn't playing up to his, you know, standard level of, of you know, what you expect out of him. It's kind of wide open right now. I mean, Austin Matthews, he has 13 goals. He only has six assists, though. Um, Puckhog? Yeah, Kyle Connor, 13 goals. Sam Reinhart, 23 points. Hey, hey listen, goals, a lot of assists. dark horse candidate for the Rocket this year. Frankie V, baby, out in Dude. Anaheim. What the Dude. hell's up with what do you eat? Is Wheaties every morning or something? That guy's been going nuclear out there. Dude, Frank Vetrano right now is fifth in the league in goal <laughs> in, in goals. He's tied with Nikita Kucherov, David Pasternak. Um, and then right under him is William Nylander, Miko Rantanen, Cindy Crosby, Alex DeBrinkett, Chris Kreider. Shout out to a just a gritty forward and Chris Kreider. When he stays on sides, he's pretty good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but <laughs> putting it into perspective, Frank Vetrano is two goals away from equaling Austin Matthews' goal total in the same amount of games played. And by the way, the Ducks, and I know we're a Brewers podcast, but we're kind of jumping around right now. The Ducks are nasty. Ducks are nasty. For no reason. They who they, they beat Boston. They yep. beat, uh, were they the Vegas. ones who, who they end, also, yeah, they ended Vegas? They just beat somebody else really good too. Oh, who the hell was it? They just won a, a big game like last week. Um, I'll tell you in a second. They they beat like the the, the the three best teams in the league or some shit like that. But dude, Frank Vetrano, I mean, local kid, right? Signs with the Bruins. He was like a, a fourth line player here. Maybe got some third line minutes for a couple years. Went to uh, Florida. And I remember, I think it was his first year in Florida. He popped off and had like 24 goals. And it was like, what the hell? Frank mm-hmm. Vetrano's getting 20 plus goals. And he's made himself now. He's a bit of a veteran. Like he's made himself. Uh, he's on a household name. But now like he's not that fringe fourth liner guy anymore. And he's definitely proven that in Anaheim. Like you just said, what, 12 goals through their first 15 games or whatever the hell it is and and for 11. a team and 11 goals and for a team in anaheim that like dude they've got some real some legit young pieces out there leo carlson looks like he's the real deal um and now that dude. they have you know frank vetrano is leading their goal scoring i freaking love it mason mctavish too you got uh well, who's that defenseman they have who's insane Rad- Radko Gudis, or are you talking about a rookie? No, the rookie defenseman they have, who's um, like... I'm pretty sure it's Pavel Mintikov. Pavel yeah, Mintikov. I knew it was a weird-ass name. He, yeah. he was a high pick, too, and he's playing insane this year to start the season. And not even to mention, they have John Gibson and Nett. I mean, honest to God, dude, maybe not this season. I think this season they will make the playoffs. I mean, they they I think they have six third-period comeback wins, um, through 15 games in the season. I think that's a record. It's either a record or it ties a record. 
Listen, while we're bouncing around the league, I got to ask you, because you're the resident expert, what's going on with Buffalo? Listen, Devin Levi looks like he's just filled up with trash. He's... <laughs> he doesn't look good at all. And we saw that in the you, – you know what? We saw it firsthand in the Bruins-Buffalo game. Um, I mean, Carlo, Carlo's first goal, Lindholm's first goal, Oscar Steen with an absolute – Oh my of a god, shot. what a goal that was. I think it was Owen Power in the corner who just like, and I could be wrong about the defenseman who, who made the play, but I'm pretty sure it was Owen Power. So sorry for the power slander if it wasn't him, but I'm just going to put him, <laughs> I'm going to throw him under the bus. But he just threw it up into the slot and there's Oscar Steen and he just takes it and he kind of waits a second and he just beats Le- Levi high glove for an absolute snipe for his first goal of the season. But, um, I mean, Bruins put up, I think, four goals on Levi early. They scored two goals in the first, like, three minutes. They scored their first two a minute and eight seconds apart. Um, not much you could do on that pasta one-timer, though, because that thing, who was stopping that? Oh, yeah, that? nobody's stopping that. I even uh, I even tweeted, like, when, when, when Brandon Carlo was picking up points, not even just points, when Brandon Carlo was scoring goals, that's when you know it's a runaway game. Like, that yeah. was just and, – and, but, it, like, it didn't even feel like it was uh, – I mean, until like halfway through the second period, the Bruins just like overpowered them in the third period, especially. But it felt like obviously they scored two goals two minutes into the game. But like it, it didn't. At least to me, it didn't feel like a three nothing, four nothing game at that point. Like I know I, at one point, I, I believe the shots were like twenty five to twenty. Uh, yeah, or it was like twenty five to twenty two, but the Bruins were winning four nothing, and it was like okay, like you know, I think it was. Just, I think Devin Levi was just struggling a little bit. It felt like a game from last year where the Bruins were just putting up like obviously like five goals a game, but they did it so early. It was like, oh, my God, like the offense is just unhinged right now. They're just going off. But back on the back on your Carlo point, like if Carlo scores, like just pack it up and go home. And I want to give a shout out. I want to give a shout out to this this account, Old Dog. Follow them on Twitter at J-R-S-T-R-6. And as soon as Carlo scored, he replied to me and he goes, that's it. Game's over if Carlos scores. And I was like, you know what? Like, you can't argue with facts. And he was right. He was right. You know what? That was a great game for Carlo. But I listen, it, it pains me to say this. And I, I hate I hate to slander a fellow QU Bobcat. Oh, no. But, dude, Connor Clifton has been horrible. Yeah, horrible to start the season. And I was talking, shout out Ethan Moriarty. The reason for anybody listening, the reason that we're recording this tonight, putting it out tomorrow is because last night I was at Chili's watching the Bruins game with Ethan. (laughs) Shout out. And shout out Ethan. And uh, Ethan went to Quinnipiac with me. And um, uh, we were talking about Connor Clifton and just how he is just not looked good this year at all and it's crazy because last year and i feel like part of that is part of the Bruins system because the the defenseman feast in the system we've we've seen it i mean there's a like jim montgomery's system got connor clifton that contract and i was talking about it with ethan and i was and we were both like i i love connor clifton i thought that he was an effective player last year he's very good offensively but when his offense isn't producing he's a liability because he sucks in the defensive zone he sucks i think i remember seeing him out there for at least three goals against the sabers the other night it was brutal and um you knew like you know I was happy that he got his money and I wanted him to stay in the Bruins, but I didn't want the Bruins to overpay for him. And three years, $10 million for Connor Clifton. I remember when when the Sabres first signed Clifton and um, there were Sabres fans on Twitter who were 
over the moon about it because like his analytic numbers last year, his offensive production per the amount of time he was on the ice and Connor Clifton was insane. It was like, it was elite when you like base it out and you give him like 25 plus minutes a night. Cause the guy's playing like 13 minutes a night against the other team's third and fourth line. So, um, and they were like, yeah, but like, dude, when he's playing like first line with Owen power, like forget about it. And I, I think I, I sent it to you and I was like, holy shit, these people are delusional. And it's, it's been about 15 games. He might be a negative 30. Uh, he, he had 150 tickets for his entire family and got ejected in the second period of a game. Like it, it's, it's been brutal for Connor Clifton and it sucks yeah. because nobody's a bigger Connor Clifton fan than myself. And I hope he can turn it around. But uh, so far that three year, $10 million, or it might've been 10 and a half. Either way, that deal he got from a uh, Buffalo is not looking good right now for the Sabres. Yeah. So um, tough times for Cliffy hockey out in Buffalo, but mm. And it, I remember when you don't call to, him that anymore. Yeah, when he wanted to change his nickname. Well, Connor Clifton in, plays hockey. <laughs> in, Bo- in Boston, he was Connor Clifton plays hockey. In Buffalo, he's Cliffy Hockey again. He's back to, <laughs> he's back to Cliffy Hockey. But this year, like you said, um, 14 games played, no goals, two assists. Um, he's a minus seven, 30 penalty minutes. He's already halfway to last year's total penalty minutes um, when he was with the Bruins. He was a plus 20 last year. He's a minus seven right now. Tough times for Cliffy. And, um, and, and that's why it's crazy, too, because I remember last year, um, him and Forbert, like the first half of last year, were like elite when the two of them played together. And, and speaking of Forbert, too, yep. he's been elite this year, too, when he's on the ice. I don't know if you, I think you actually, you might have been the one to send those that tweet in the group chat. Like his like defensive rating or his metric, whatever, was like 88%. Yep. And below him was like, Kale McCarr, Adam Fox, Roman, like all of these players. And it was like, holy shit. Um, but no, and then the fact that him, and that's why like I keep coming back to like, I don't know what Jim Montgomery is cooking up for these defensemen in this system, but like, <gasps> he's a wizard. <laughs> like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, obviously the, the players on the team are insane. I mean, they have like seven defensemen who can regularly get NHL minutes, which certainly helps. But yep. like when you have the season last year that Connor Clifton had, and given Connor Clifton wasn't, you know, he wasn't elite last year. He wasn't great either by any means, but like he, he had a noticeable jump between two years ago and last season. And now suddenly you pluck him out of the system and he goes to Buffalo, albeit, you know, that is a young defensive uh, team. They don't have the, the, the structure in their defensive zone, even in their neutral zone that the buff that the Boston Bruins have. And he goes over there and Holy shit. Like this guy looks like he did four years ago. Like this guy is still playing college hockey right now. Um, I don't know. There's something to be said about, uh, about the defensive system. And, and the great test about that is Connor Clifton's fall off between last year and this year. It's been f- 15 games, but still he's looked like shit. Yeah. And that, so, that, that's, it's a lot for me to slander Connor Clifton too. That hurt me. I'm still your biggest fan though. Um, so the Bruins right now, talking about Derek Forbert and his kind of value to this team. Um, obviously, I think he has a certain role with this team. It's 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 not playing 20 minutes a night. It's not relying on him five on five. His specialty comes in when, obviously, you're on the penalty kill. Now, obviously, the Bruins, during this season so far, through the 15 games that we've played, have one of the top two penalty killing percentages in the league. Um, I'm sorry, top one. We're the best. Honestly. <laughs> um, <laughs> the Bruins have had to kill 50 penalties. Their penalty killing percentage is 90.9%. 90.9%. 90. 
point nine percent, not ninety nine percent, ninety point nine percent. With that number, Derek Forbert is playing a massive role in the penalty kill. And come playoff time, your special teams can win you games or they can lose you games. And with a player like Derek Forbert, if he's putting up these kinds of numbers, helping the PK, he's a value to your team. So I want to read this stat. And this comes from Max Mainville. Shout out to him on Twitter at TKD Max BJJ. 44 defensemen have played over 40 minutes on the penalty kill this year. Only three of those 44 have been on the ice for less than three goals. Can you guess the three? I'm going to guess one of them is Derek Forbert. It's a hell of a guess, Mel. Is he on there? Yes. Um, are, there, <laughs> yes. Are, are there any other Bruins? No. Okay. One is one is Vegas, which you might get. And the other one is Dallas, which I would be surprised if you get. Derek Forbert. Uh, yep. Petrangelo. Yes. And who was the other one on Dallas? Yep. Hiskinen? Yanni Hockenpah. Who the hell is right. that? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Yanni <What>? Hackenstack. <laughs> Yanni, Yagi, Yagi, Yanni, Yanni. Take <laughs> <laughs> I was watching the gears turn. <laughs> I couldn't think of anything. Um, but I mean, so here's the thing with with Derek Forbert providing um obviously a lot of value to your PK, and that's a giant part of your team. Like you need to have good special teams. If Derek Forbert, and I don't think I'm I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say he's probably the best penalty killer on the team. I mean, with Bergeron gone, um, what? With oh yeah, he's oh. not on the team anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but with Bergeron gone, and when you have guys like Charlie McAvoy out, Derek Forbert kind of quarterbacks that penalty kill, and your penalty kill is running at a, at a rounding up at a ninety-one percent rate right now. <clears throat> Listen, I've been so hard on Derek Forbert. I think we all have. We all definitely have. And I gave him his flowers a couple weeks ago when um, he he was looking good. He was being mobile on the blue line. I remember he was making moves. He was skating with the puck, which was nice to see. I think I might – I'm not at Derek Forbert DH Gate jersey yet, but I am at (laughs) – I am at – stark defender of Derek Forbert now I've bought in I'm on board and listen I've never once thought he was a bad player I just I just it's all about the contract for me I thought that the contract obviously wasn't worth the production you were getting from him on the ice and whether or not you think he's getting overpaid now the production that he's you've gotten from him this year like you said I mean he's not gonna fill up the stat sheet that's not his job that he's literally never done that but for what you need him for because you made a great point special teams can win you games and it can lose you games it come playoff time there's nothing more valuable than an elite penalty kill maybe a really good power play but an elite penalty kill can bring you out your ass all the way to the stanley cup finals yep. and Derek forbert's ability to not just effectively 
um, shut teams down when he's on the penalty kill, but also log heavy penalty minutes too. Like the the guy's a horse. He plays. He can play some heavy minutes when you're down a man. His ability. I mean, I know people rag on him for blocking shots because big deal. You're blocking shots, but those add up. Blocking they shots add up. They do. And um, no, I mean, I think I'm ready to to hop on the Derek Forbert train. And I think so- that my seat my seat's been there for a while. People have been keeping it warm for me. I just didn't want to buy in for a million reasons. And now I've seen the light. I'm ready. I'm a Derek Forbert fan. Book it right now. What's wait, what's the date today? November whatever at 7.41 p.m. I'm a Derek Forbert fan. I'm on the train, baby. He's on the train. Um, so here's here's you mentioned Derek Forbert's contract, right? So Derek Forbert is making three million dollars a year. AAV three mil. Is that an overpayment? You, you could argue for sure. <laughs> the, the defenseman, defenseman under him, um, you know, significant defensemen under him who are making less. Ryan Lindgren on New York is making the same amount. Ryan Lindgren or Derek Forbert? Ryan Lindgren. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let's see here. Bruins legend, by the way. Yeah, thanks for Rick Nash. Um, uh, that, 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 that I just had. It. Oh, Vegas, Braden McNabb, two point eight million compared to Ooh. Derek Forbert's three. Who would you I take? Love, I love Braden McNabb. Yep, yep, same boat. Um, Luke Shen, two point seven five, or Derek Forbert. Luke Shen, who was a trade candidate potentially last year for the Bruins, I'm going to take Luke Shen. I would take Derek Forbert because Luke really? Shen is because Luke Shen is not valuable on the PK like that. I would take Derek Forbert just for that sole reason. It but the argument could be made. Um what about Derek Forbert or Connor Clifton? Oh my god. They don't probably wait, have about wait. similar deals now too. Yeah, don't put my mind in them. I don't even want to <laughs> I don't even want to think of that. <laughs> Cause I, <laughs> oh my god i don't know There's like smoke coming out of your ears right now. i don't know because i mean i'm now in a conundrum listen i don't listen, know, I, th- I, don't know. I think i think i think the answer might be if you're the boston bruins maybe connor clifton because he was really good here last year but if you're any other team maybe Derek forbert because nah, no no i would i would take Derek forbert because your defense is already small. You already have Grizzly. Um yeah. He's smaller. Although Clifton, Clifton led the team in hits. I don't know. <laughs> I, actually, I actually don't know. That's a good question. Um, but I'll, I'll go through one more. Um, let's go with... Oh, okay. Let's go Oliver Ekman Larson. 2.25. Boy, has he fallen off, huh? Yes. I'm going to take... Honestly, I'm going to take Derek Forbert. And I used to be a huge Oliver Ekman Larson fan. I wanted him so badly. I used to trade for him every year when I make an NHL franchise. Because <laughs> the Coyotes never valued him in NHL. Um, and, and how we mentioned before how uh, Yanni Hockenpah on Dallas was part of those three... <laughs> He was part of those three defensemen yeah. um, on you know that PK stat. He's making 1.5. So when you Who? compare the values of Hockenpah to Forbert and what they bring to a team, I would say Derek Forbert, if he was making more around like somewhere in the range of like 2.25 to 2.6, if that was where he was, I think he would catch so much less slack from the fan base. He definitely would because, like you said, he's he's not a bad player, and no. um, there's there's times where he is very 
notably the slowest guy on the ice, which I think is, you know, he's not a perfect player. Nobody it's cause, is. It's because Lucic isn't in the lineup anymore. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, if, if he's ever the slowest guy on the ice, it's because Lucic is on the bench. Um, I would love to no. see a foot race between those two. <laughs> oh, my God. They actually, they started racing a week ago. They're still going. Um, <laughs> I, you're definitely right because he he brings a lot of value to the team. Um, like you said, he's in in a in a defensive core that the Bruins have, who have a lot of variation in size. When Lorai is playing, I mean they're fairly big, but you know that uh, Grizzly isn't a, if Grizzly isn't a very tall guy, he's not very heavy either. McAvoy is a built like a tree stump, but he's only like six one. Um, there's value in having a six foot four defenseman who's tough to play in the corners who can block shots, kill penalty minutes. Like he can really kind of do it all. And like we said, you don't need him to go out there and put up a ridiculous amount of points at this point. Right. The kind of player he is, he's especially in the Bruins. He's a really good third pair defenseman. Like that's he's, he's one of the best third pairing defensemen in the league. If we're being quite honest, he's an effective player. It's just the salary. That's the only thing. Yeah. And like you said, if he was making like, you know, less than two and a half or even around two and a half, that would be a great deal. And he would be looked at a lot differently than Bruins. And you know what? I'm not even going to talk like I'm talking about anybody else. I'm going to include myself in that conversation because I was with you until 10 minutes ago when I got on the Derek Forbert train. (laughs) I hated him. I said so much smack about this guy. I've tweeted bad about him. And it's never been because I thought he was a bad player. It was because his play on the ice didn't, represent the amount of money the Bruins are playing. And especially because the Bruins have been so cap strapped. It's like, oh, Derek Forbert, see ya. Like there we go. Yeah. There's there's just right. it was your immediate solution. Trade Forbert, trade Forbert, trade Forbert. And uh part of me wonders like if they did trade Forbert, what would I mean I'm sure they would still have a good penalty kill. Would they be number one? I don't know. I mean I don't know what this team would look like, but I don't know, dude. I mean I think I don't think honest honest to God, I don't think Jim Montgomery sees much value of Forbert five on five. I think that he strictly looks at him as like the catalyst to the Bruins penalty kill. But it's interesting, too, because I also remember not to play devil's advocate, but I also remember last year when the Bruins had the best penalty kill in the entire league. And a lot of that was because of Derek Forbert and then Derek Forbert. What did he like break his foot or some shit? And he missed like a month and a half. And wouldn't you know, the Bruins penalty kill continued to hum and they killed off like 30 penalties in a row or something. So sometimes like how much of it is Derek Forbert? But when you watch him on the ice and you watch him kill penalties, there's the eye test. That's what you and I are strong at. It's the only thing we got. We're not analytic guys. You can tell when he's out there killing penalties, how effective this guy is. Yeah. And speaking on the cap thing, too, I mean, he is a UFA at the end of the season. So that three million dollars is going to be coming off the books. Um Bruins are going to be making a lot of interesting decisions this offseason. I mean, off the top of my head, I'm not I'm not going to look it up right now, but I'm pretty sure they have somewhere in the range of like 30 to 35 million dollars in, in free money into the offseason. And that's with guys like um, obviously you got to resign DeBrusque. You got to resign Swayman. Which I think they're going to get done sooner rather than later before his before his value skyrockets to like yeah. a ten million dollar goalie. They're going to have a hard time finding money when they give Derek Forbert a four year, hundred and twenty million dollar contract in the off season. I mean, for the best PK in the league, I'll take it. <laughs> it's like a max deal in the NBA. <laughs> yeah, he's making LeBron money. Yeah. Um, but but um, do you do you want to touch on Jake DeBrusque? A little bit, yeah. Because what is for the okay for the Bruins front office? I mean, the team is winning. Jake DeBrusque isn't 
producing yet. He's playing well. I do want to say that he's playing well. He's getting chances. He he's you know he he's humming along on that third line right now. Um, he doesn't look out of place. He just hasn't had the the finishing touch yet, which will come. It will definitely come. But if you're the Bruins front office, if you're Don Sweeney and you're Cam Neely and you're looking at this and knowing that it's a a contract year for Jake DeBrusque. I don't necessarily know if you want to move him. You might be able to sign him at a cheaper deal um, than than say what you what you would have had to pay him if he was having another wicked wicked strong season. Like, wh- what would you offer him right now? Because as of as of right now, um, Jake DeBrusque is sitting at fourteen games played. He has one goal four assists, five points, averaging 17 and a half minutes time on ice. He only has four penalties, um, 30 shots. He's shooting 3%. Um, He's on pace for uh, five goals and 27 points this year. (laughs) Yeah. Like, (laughs) and, and and last year, what was he? He was, he was almost a point per game player last year. Right. Right. I'm, I'm just trying to remember his goal totally. Yeah. He was three under 30. Um, his splits are so weird, dude. 43 points in his first season, 42 in his second, 35 in his third, 14 in 2021. Granted, he only played 41 games. Um, back to 42 points, back to 50 points last year, career high. And then this year, it's just like there's there's no finish. I'm. That's going to be an interesting contract. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea what they're going to give him, honestly. And I have no idea what he's going to come in. Hopefully, he doesn't request another trade. But uh, I know before the season started, when we had, uh, I think when it, when Davis was on here and we were talking about uh, Jake DeBrusque, we, we weren't sure because obviously he played fantastic last year, fifty points in sixty four games, twenty seven goals. I mean, numbers were up all over the board and tied his career high in goals, career high in points. And um, how much of that was because he was uh, who he was on the line with, you know, in right. and Moncton. And I remember before the season started, we were saying this is going to be a great. Uh, a great test for DeBrus to see what he can do without Bergeron in the middle. And, you know, we weren't sure what line he was going to be on and who he's playing with. And if he can still continue that production that he had last year into this year with all the uncertainty. And like you said, he hasn't necessarily played bad. Like it hasn't been like, Oh, like it hasn't been Tyler Bertuzzi, put this guy on the fourth line, give him eight minutes a night. But like, (laughs) he's not producing at the same time one goal in 14 games for Jake DeBrus playing top, top six minutes every single night. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I really I don't know what kind of number he's going to command in the offseason. Yeah, dude. I, I mean, if this play continues, I mean, do you explore a trade? Like, like seriously, I don't I don't know. I love Jake DeBrusque and I, it, I wouldn't want to see him on another team. But at the same time, I mean, you have a young guy. He's got a little bit of value. You're going to owe him money. And you, and right now, I don't know if you know what that contract necessarily looks like. But the 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 other side of it is you're coming into these negotiations looking at this season and the way that it's gone so far. Like you said, he's on pace for 27 points throughout the year. <laughs> I mean, that's, you, you, can't, you can't give that kind of player more than – four and a half and and four and a half would be generous at this yeah and that's why like i i'm really i'm really 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 curious to see what happens because despite his his 
point production this year, the Bruins are humming. I mean, they're what, 12, one and one or some shit. Like, it's not like it's crippled them that Jake DeBrusque has been producing. Like, um, and, and a lot of these games too have been, what was the two for? 12, one and two. Ah, oh, shit. And like a lot of these games too have been fairly close games minus the Sabres game the other night. Like if you had Jake DeBrusque producing and scoring goals and getting assists, I mean, who knows what it could look like. But that's why I also wonder like if he keeps playing like this, Again, he's not playing bad, but if you look at the point production, you would have to think that his numbers starting to go trickle down and down and down. And at one point, at what point do you look at that and you go, okay, maybe instead of giving this guy, you know, five mil a season like we thought we would have at the end of last year, maybe now he would be more than willing to sign a four million dollar AAV deal. And there's value in holding on to a player like that and not trading him. If your team is still winning games and you're still producing and you know you can sign this guy for hopefully pennies on the dollar, but then that also begs the question of you know, what if this is Jake DeBrusque and you sign into that contract and the next year, all of a sudden he's got six goals again and 35 points, but I don't know. Yeah. Cause I think, I think, cause we talk about it a lot. We're not us, but a lot of people talk about it too, with, you know, obviously trading forward, trading Olmark, doing something like despite everything people want to say, the Bruins are on fire right now. Best team yeah. in the league. Uh, Jim Montgomery. Did you see the stat? Since he took over as coach of the Bruins, he's like 77, 13 and seven or something. Yeah. It's just I, silly. I, I have it right here. Uh, Jim Montgomery as Bruins coach. 77, 13 and seven. That's a winning percentage of 830. If I saw something as well, I think if he loses... I think even if he loses the next like five games in a row, he still will have the best first 100 games as a Bruins head coach. That's 77. That's a Wilt Chamberlain stat line, dude. 77, 13, and 7. I can't even like wrap my head around that, especially playing in, in, in the modern NHL game where I feel like there's so much parody going around the league. To do what he's done in his first two seasons as a coach of the Bruins, bonkers. And we, not we, but people were debating him or David Quinn. And David Quinn right now, I mean, I mean, dude, he, Jim Montgomery managed to turn Connor Clifton into what was an amazing defenseman last season. Into what Sabres thought could be a top pairing defenseman. He's turned Pavel Zaka into a pretty legit 1C. Um, look at what Matthew Potra is doing right now. JVR. Look at JVR. Look at look at Matthew Patra. Um, I mean, I think he learned a little bit, you know, last playoff run to if 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 you know use your did. use your goalie rotation. I think he learned. <laughs> I, I think he learned a little bit, but I mean, I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. Is he not in the running right now as potentially the best Bruins head coach of all time? So far, I know because I know your argument was he needs a cup. Yeah, he just he needs something. Right. I, like he's like, it's incredibly impressive. I've never seen anything like it. But I just I think for uh, for the Bruins, I think to be the you know the greatest coach Bruins coach of all time, you need some cups or something like that. But I mean, dude, I mean his first season as a Bruins head coach to get what sixty five wins hundred and. 50,000 points and to do everything that he did in his first season as a Bruins head coach is unbelievable. And like, that's a mark that the next generation of Bruins coaches will forever be chasing that first season that, sorry, that first season that Jim Montgomery had here in Boston. 
But I think before you, you know, you become a legend of Bruins coaches, you got to win a Jack Adams and you got to win a Stanley Cup. And he should have won it last year. That team was insane. But we'll see what he can do with the team this year because so far everything's coming up roses. Well, listen to this. All right. So there's been 29 coaches in, in Boston Bruins history, right? And I'll just go off of the longest tenured ones. Art Ross was the head coach of the Boston Bruins for 17 years. He had a winning percentage of 563. Um, he had a playoff winning percentage of 493. Let's see. Claude Julian, 10 seasons as head coach. Obviously, he won a Stanley Cup. Um, his winning percentage, 614. His playoff winning percentage, 582. Uh, Bruce Cassidy, six seasons. Winning percentage, 672. Playoff winning percentage, 493. And I know, I know Jim Montgomery is only two years in, really one and a half. But right now, his winning percentage is 830. And his playoffs is 429. So, but that's with one season of playoffs. And it took him to a game seven. He's, he, I mean, dude, it's a long list. And obviously he has a lot more seasons to go to kind of get his name into this conversation. But based on the way he's starting, unless there's, you know, a monumental collapse within the Bruins organization, all of a sudden Jeremy Swayman turns to shit. Matthew Patra doesn't turn out to be a top six center. Um, David Pasternak, I mean, something happens with him. <laughs> I don't, I don't see him slowing down. I, I, I really don't. I mean, to be okay. What does he have in an eight eighty something winning percentage? Eight thirty. I mean, okay. The if, second closest is seven thirty eight. If he's able, by who? Tom Johnson, and he coached for three seasons. I mean, if Jim Montgomery coaches this team for eight plus years and maintains an 800 plus winning percentage. I mean, that's not even greatest. That's like one of the greatest coaches of all time. We're not even talking about just the Bruins. He's he, he passes her Brooks. (laughs) And like, that would, that would be unfathomable. And I, I think that if, if you think not you, I mean, if anybody thinks that Jim Montgomery is going to continue with an 800 plus winning percentage no, for the next no <laughs> seven to eight consecutive seasons. I have, I will sell you my Honda pilot for a million dollars. My Honda pilot for people wondering, I closed the trunk the other day and part of the exhaust fell off. So like, <laughs> there's no way what he's doing right now is amazing that I saw that stat today. It's 77, 13 and seven. And I literally, I had to lay down. I could not wrap my head around numbers like that because that is unbelievable. But to think that he has any shot of maintaining the level of consistency to go last year to go like 65 and 13, whatever the hell they were. And then all of a sudden this year to start 12, one and one, it's unbelievable. It's, it's crazy, but they're not going to do this every single year. Dude, they're not going to do it every year. They're not always going to have Olmark and Swayman. They're not always going to have. I mean, uh, they have listen, but, another eleven years. But but you could you could have said the same thing about they're not always going to have Bergeron and Krejci. They don't have Bergeron and Krejci, and they're they're off to an even better start this year. You got Zaka as your one C. You got 
a, a mix of Charlie Coyle and a 19 year old rookie as your second and third line center. You got James Van Riemsdyk, who's a hundred years old. You got Kevin Shattenkirk, who is also a hundred years old. I mean, there's Lucic. You got you got Oscar Steen. He's getting. You got Mason Lorai. He's getting the best out of what he has, and he proved it last season. And he's he's proving it again. I don't he think he's going to be. But... I don't think he's going to be over eight hundred. But I mean, I, I think he's going to end his career with the Bruins with the highest winning percentage out of any coach. He's definitely well. A few things. He's definitely been crazy this year. But it's been 15 games. So like like yeah. what's like what's to say? I, I've never we've never had to see Jim Montgomery with any adversity whatsoever. In fact, we did see him with adversity last year, the first round of the playoffs, and he shit his pants. He That's crapped true. all over causeways. He sucked. He was outcoached. He was outplayed, and everybody knew it. That's all the talk was a whole offseason about how he screwed the Bruins in the first round last year. So what happens if the Bruins go on a six-game losing streak? What happens if all of a sudden they go Six and fourteen over a twenty game stretch, and now people are starting to talk with Jim Montgomery. How is he going to respond? How's the team going to respond? Because we've never seen him how to do that. It's everything's sure. been roses. So if suddenly they have some adversity and they can't weather the storm, everybody looks to the coach to do that. I, I don't know. We haven't seen that yet. And until like I'm able to consistently see, it's not like they're just going to start every year. 12 1 and 2. That's not going to happen. And they're not going to win 65 games every year either. Shit's going to happen at some point. Last year was like they will be writing books about regular season last year. Nothing went wrong for the Bruins until it did in the playoffs. And that was when we saw Jim Montgomery be thoroughly outcoached. And when we talk about this team next year, right, he's definitely made so far, he's made some diamonds this year out of lumps of poo. Players that nobody <laughs> players that nobody thought were really going to do anything. Like you were talking about JVR, you were talking about Patra, you were talking about these guys who he's he's helped model in turn into productive NHL players. JVR looks like he's back on the Flyers again, and suddenly Patra, everybody's saying he's Bergeron reincarnated. But we were just talking about these players that are going to be free agents next year. They're going to have thirty million dollars off the books. They have to resign Swayman. They have to resign. Um, Jake DeBrusque, there are other players that are slipping my mind right now, but what happens if they don't sign them? And now the Bruins have $30 million in cap space. They got holes throughout the roster and they just lost Swayman. Like, what's that team going to look like when he suddenly doesn't have a stacked roster anymore? How is he going to coach then? So I think that there's still questions that have to be answered before anybody can say that Jim Montgomery is is bound to be a legend or he's the one of the greatest Bruins coaches of all time. He's not even at the door yet. He's across the street waiting for the traffic to stop so he can go across the crosswalk. And you know what? I, he's not, he's jaywalking. You know what, dude? I, I don't, I think he, no, I think he's in the conversation right now. I really, really do. Based on his start. I think that he's forced himself into the conversation. I think he walked last season from Tavern in the square across the causeway Walked his ass over, you know, he jaywalking for sure. Walking across (laughs) to the TD Garden. He gave the Bobby Orr statue a high five and he walked right up those steps and he said, hi, my name is Jim Montgomery. Claude, nice to meet you. Bruce, nice to meet you, but you're heading to Vegas and I'm taking your spot. And he he's taken it and he's run with it. And I'm I'm going to make a crazy statement right now. I'm going to do it. I think I'm going to do it. I've been debating the whole time you were talking. I've been debating this in my head. I don't know if I want to say it, but I think I'm going to say it. 
Should I say it? I think you should say it. You sure? I don't know. No, I'm getting a little worried. All right, I'll say it. I think this team ends up with more points than last season. Okay. I do. I do. This has been episode 67 of the season. <laughs> Dude, I, the way that they play, they play so structurally sound. Jake DeBrusque hasn't, you know, hit his stride yet. The way that Jeremy Swayman is playing, the way that Linus Allmark is playing, the way you have young guns and Matthew Potra and potentially Mason Lorai as well. You got depth up the ass. You got Oscar Steen. You got Jake, uh, Jacob Lauco, Johnny Beecher. Um, and then you got veterans too, Lucic, JVR, Shankirk, Marshawn. You got Pasta lighting it up. I, 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 I really think they could. I really, really think they could. Um, I don't think they're going to. I really, really, really don't. It's. I mean, um, it's the odds are so heavily in your favor that they don't, because they literally just broke the record last year. But I. Yeah. Dude, they already have 26 points. They've only lost one game in regulation. Which is crazy, but they've played Chicago twice. They played Nashville. They've played San Jose. They lost to Detroit. They lost to Montreal. They played an Islanders. They got a point, though. They did get a point, though. But um, no, I mean, I don't think even like even the that Blackhawks team that won. In uh, I think it was the one that, the year they won in 2013. Twice that season, they had eight game losing streaks. Mm-hmm. What would happen to this Bruins team if all of a sudden they hit an eight, six, seven game losing streak? I don't know why I went in that order, <laughs> but how, but but how would they respond? Because they've they've never had to. How would they juggle the lines? How would people react? What happens if Swayman went down for a month and you had to start Omark every single game? We saw what happened last year when he started three games in a row and he pooped his pants too, albeit he was hurt. I'll give you that. But this team that they had last year was unbelievable and everything went right for him last year. And like, I also don't want to say that like, that's never going to happen again because like nobody also predict- predicted that they were going to start the season 12, one and two. But um I don't know. Like I'm, I'm very happy with the Bruins, but I also want to be realistic and I don't want to put the horse in front of the carriage. Like the Bruins are going to have some stretches coming up that are going to be tough. Like I know they play, um, uh, they play Tampa and Colorado back to back in January, right after Pittsburgh. Like they're going to have some streaks that come, that hit their schedule that aren't going to be very easy because some of the teams that they've played this year to start the season have definitely helped their schedule. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens when other teams hit their stride, when Tampa gets Vasilevsky back, when Toronto, they can figure out, hopefully they never do, but if Toronto figures out what the hell is going on over there, I mean, it's not going to get any easier for the Bruins at all is what I'm trying to say. And and like you can only play the schedule that's in front of you. And the Bruins have done that for the first 15 games better than anybody else in the NHL. But let's see if they can do it for the next 15 games. And then the 15 games after that. And then the 15 games after that. And then let's see, most importantly, what they can do in the playoffs. I'm with you. I think they learned a lesson last year. But until we see them prove it, I don't know. I mean, I can't really... I can't really say for certain what's going to happen. Oh, I don't know. I, I, obviously I didn't think that at any point up until literally right now that I thought they could beat the record of last year, but the more <laughs> we're talking about it and the more I'm thinking about this team, yes, it's only 15 games in 
yes, I might be a little bit excited, but at the same time, the way that they're winning games by just shutting teams down in the defensive zone, and then not only that, but also their PK is is magical. Their power play stinks. They need to figure out their power play. It is. They need a guy on the bumper. And you know what's crazy too is we were talking about, or you were talking about, you know, this Bruins team is doing this without um, DeBrusque producing. The Bruins team has also done this defensively with um, Hampus Lindholm looking like a, a shell of himself at times. What is wrong with him? He's Dude. had a couple games where he's looked, he's looked like the old Lampus. Lampus. That's who he is when he plays like shit. He's yeah. like the old Lampus. But the fact that that the fact that you have to run, uh, and myself included, the fact that we have to run to Twitter after the game to wait for those little uh report cards that come out after the game to see if yep. he's back. Like there's been a couple times I'm like, all right, Hampus is back to being Hampus. But I shouldn't even be saying that because this is a guy who was uh the analytics favored him. He was the second favorite last year to win the Norse. That's how good he was defensively. He didn't get any votes because he didn't get a lot of points compared to anybody else, and he's not as pretty of a player. We get it. But Hampus Lindholm last year had a career year. He single-handedly, I'll never forget that game, he single-handedly beat the Penguins when he scored two goals and then got that uh, end-to-end rush in overtime and freaking sniped it. I think that was probably over Tristan Jarge. Yeah, yeah, that was, we were at B-dubs. Oh, yeah, we were there for that game. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, he was amazing last year, and I think everybody was really excited to see how he would be able to build off of what he did last year. And I'm not concerned after 15 games, the kind of play that we've received from Hampus Lindholm, but I am definitely wanting him to uh, give us a little more because Lampus has not looked like Hampus from last year. Yeah, I mean, right now, Hampus Lindholm, three points in um, 15 games. Uh, last year, smashed his career high of, of 30 with 53 points. So I don't – I think last year was a little bit of – excuse me. I think last year was a little bit of a, of a flash in the pan for him. I don't think he's that guy. I think he's more around 35 to 45 points a season. Um, 50 points was crazy. I mean, 53 points, but – he exploded early in the season too. And then he kind of cooled off towards the middle and the end. And and I think that's who you should, you know, kind of expect to see on a night to night basis. I don't think he's the guy who's putting up 50 points. I don't think that's yeah. him. Well, he was big last year when, um, when McAvoy was out to like miss the first month of the season, whatever it was. And like Hampus went home. We were like, Holy shit. Like the, the hit, I remember the production you were getting from Hampus, like the first month of the season offensively point production. Like you just said, he was carrying it that first month was huge. And he obviously hasn't had to this year because Mac has been back and the defensive core other than Grizzly and Forbert has been relatively healthy. Yeah. Um, but no, that's definitely something I want to see. Even, even like the small uh, inch in Chris, the small details of his game, I can't say that <laughs> Intric- word right now. In- intricacies? Intri- in- yes. yes. <laughs> Intri- in- never. What you said. Even the small parts of his game uh, haven't looked pretty. He's struggled with breakout passes. Uh, he's struggled winning battles in the corner. Just like stuff you don't, you're not used to seeing Hampus Lindholm doing. There's been times he's coughed the puck up at the blue line. It's just, I don't know if he's overplaying. I don't know if he's fighting an injury. I don't know what it is, but you can't deny watching Hampus Lindholm this year. He has not looked like how he looked at, looked like for most of the season last year. Yeah. So um, Bruins right now, 12-1-2. and two. Um, They're humming along. Uh, again, plenty of time to go in the season, but we got a big tilt against Montreal in the Garden Saturday. Um, but we're probably... I, I'll be there. I kind of want to get tickets. I'm going. Did I, t- I, I tell you that? Are you actually? Yeah, I'm going with my dad. Oh, you bitch. 
It's my birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> On Saturday. I know. I just wanted to be the first one. And um, they're wearing they're wearing the uh like the their third jerseys, the cream ones too. Ooh. Every game I've gone to so far this year, they've worn those. Is it a isn't it an original six thing? I think we were talking about that. I think it might be. Yeah, I think it might be. But that's pretty cool. Hey, if every if if you're listening to this right now, I want everybody who's who is listening to tweet out right now at Nick Melanson under at Nick Melanson underscore Happy Birthday. Well, no, Um, don't do it now. Do it on Saturday. But if you want to be early, (laughs) do it now. (laughs) Um, but. I think we should jump into some DMs. I know we got um shout out to Lovell. He he sent me a message and he said, Hey, I think I might have sent you some voicemails. He's like, I I he's like, I, I had a little too much the other night and I drank or I oh sent in some God. calls. Do you want to do the voicemails first? Yeah, let's start with some voicemails and then um we'll jump into the DMs. All right, let me pull I can pull them up. Shout oh, out to Draymond Chris. Green. Draymond Green suspended five games for that choke. Holy shit, he wasn't kidding, dude. What the <laughs> was it five? There's five of them here, yeah. Hell yeah. And it's funny because he was the only one to leave voicemails last time. So the last seven calls are just all him. <laughs> <laughs> all right, hang on. Uh let's try to figure this out. Hang on. Oh god, I'm hitting the wrong button. Hang on, hang on. We're good. What's the craziest thing you would do for a bees Stanley Cup winner? Ooh. What would I do with the oh, craziest wait, thing? Wait, hang that on, I hang on, do? hang on. You're coming out of my computer. Uh-oh. Craziest thing you do for a bees Stanley Cup winner? Um I think we have to set like a uh, You know what I would do? You know what I would what? do? I would I would circumnavigate the globe by myself on an antique wooden ship. Mm. Which is saying something because I love the ocean, but the middle of the ocean does not like me. And I feel like that would be (laughs) terrifying and I would probably get scurvy, but it would be worth it if the Bruins were to win a Stanley Cup. The craziest thing that I would do for a Bruins Stanley Cup is... Shoot myself out of my no 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 no, no wait wait I would let me finish <laughs> I would shoot myself out of a homemade trebuchet into space with a homemade parachute where I would drift across the continent and. <laughs> You would burn up in a fiery inferno before you even left the atmosphere. I would wear an anti-space suit, Mel. Well, you should have started with that. Anti-space suit. <laughs> yeah. I would, uh, I would do you know, some crazy stuff. I would go to you the middle. I would go to the middle of Death Valley. Mm. What is it? Is that like the hottest place? in the continental United States, I would drink a gallon of milk and I would full sprint right across a desert into a sauna. I would meet you in Death Valley and let you poke me with a scorpion. I feel like drinking milk and running in a hot desert would be a lot worse. I think it is worse, actually. You know what I would do, actually? (laughs) 
I would go to your house on Thanksgiving and eat your, <laughs> and eat your pizza and mac and cheese and chicken nuggets, whatever the hell you had. Chicken nuggets. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would do some crazy I'm, stuff. Yeah. That, okay. So that was number one. Here's number two. Oh, God. I can already tell this. This is good. Groovy. Oh, my God. Wait. Hang on. I got to turn the Bluetooth off on my, fo- on my phone because my headphones are connecting to my laptop and then it connects to my phone and then it disconnects from everything. And then, uh, okay, I got you back now. All right, here we go. Oh, hang on. I got to put it on speaker. Oh, my God, dude. Can you tell we're on episode 67? It's like we're on our first one. Holy shit. Who are these jack wagons talking about fucking trading Allmark for Ryan Nugent Hopkins? What are you talking about? We're 11, 1, and 1. Why do you want to change things? Why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. That's, that's a decision for for i was thinking about that today say say the trade deadline comes right and the bruins offense is kind of sputtered a little bit and there's some bigger names on nope. the market okay no that's fair i i, I thought the same thing but it kind of crossed my mind i think you just explore it in the offseason and ryan nugent hopkins not the guy Definitely yeah not the guy. he's not the guy if uh, first of all you and i have talked about this before i would not want to trade olmark this season for really for anybody because if Olmark is gone I feel like you relatively have no chance because I feel like the 1A 1B going back and forth with him and him and Swayman has made this team so dominant we've talked about it before that this team is it's a, it's a goalie centric team they're, yep. they they have Pasternak but they're not they're not winning games because of their offense they're not even winning games because of their defense they're winning games because every single night they have the best goalie in the world is that chicken palm you're eating uh-huh Every single night, they have the best goalie in the world on the ice, and every single night, they have the second best goalie in the world on the bench. And it doesn't matter if Swayman is starting, and it doesn't matter if Olmark is starting, because that sentiment is true for both of them, because they're the two best goalies in the world, and you could interchange either of them as to who's better. So there's nobody I would trade Olmark for, unless all of a sudden, McDavid's like, send me to Boston, or Nathan McKinnon wants out, or something silly happens, but I I don't see that happening. (laughs) Although, I don't know, he's pretty unhappy in Edmonton from what the reports are saying. I mean, Leon. Do you, what, yeah, I was going to say, do you <laughs> no think way, that there's no a way. realistic chance that, really? There's, I think there's a, if they don't figure things out this season, I think next year could be really interesting in the just, NHL. Just for shits and gigs. Okay. What do you think it would cost the Bruins to get Leon Drysaddle? Like, what would be a trade that you think both sides would say, Okay. Lena Solmark. I'd do that. Uh, wait. <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> Honestly, in, in, in Edmonton's perspective, you're asking the guy who puts out the work. Connor process. Garland. Yeah. I don't Listen. I don't want dry sidle. I want Connor Garland. Listen. Only if Vancouver keeps 30% of his contract. In in Edmonton's perspective. If you're trading away Leon Dreisaitl, you need a massive return. For Boston, if they're looking at Boston, they're probably going to look at, and remember, I'm saying this in Edmonton's perspective, they're probably going to ask for Linus Allmark 100%. They need a goalie. Bad. You start with Allmark, probably throw in Jake DeBrusque, 
and then one of Mason Lorai or Matthew Patra, and then probably a pick. If it was Potter DeBrusque, a pick in Olmark, I would do that yesterday. You don't need Potter anymore when you got, uh, I mean, what, Zaka becomes your second-line center, Drysaddle's your first-line center. Okay, see you, Jake DeBrusque. You're on pace for five goals anyways. All right, then let's, I, put, let's, let's make it a little... Let's, let's, all right, Linus Olmark, Jake DeBrusque, a first-round pick, and... Uh, 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 I don't know. I don't know. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I the rights to Bergeron if he comes back. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Tim Thomas. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I have no idea what it would cost. I don't know what they would ask, but even because he's going to be a UFA, like you said, after next season, anyways. So maybe the right. board just have to wait. Yeah. All right. Know. Here is voicemail number three. Is Jeremy Swayman our number one right now? He's yes. Yeah, he definitely has to be your number one. Right I would now, which is fun. honestly kind of crazy because if you asked, I feel like if you asked any other team in the league if Linus Omar could be their number one, they would say yes in a heartbeat. Oh, yeah. Although I don't have his numbers off the top of my head, but Thatcher Demko is on my mm-hmm. fantasy hockey team, and he is playing crazy this year. He's picking up a stupid amount of points for me right now. I think he's ranked number two in fantasy hockey. I don't know if that's because he's getting peppered with shots every game because Vancouver just unfortunately waived their best player in Jack Stanika. But uh, for like the second time, wasn't that the second time in like a week they waived Stanika? Yep. Poor guy. But I Bring do him home, say- buddy. Real quick, Jeremy Swayman, number one in the NHL with a 1.69 goals against. Um, nice. And then it goes Aiden Hill, 1.75. James Reimer, 1.8. Granted, he's only played five games. Thatcher Demko, who's played the most out of these goalies, 10 games. He's got a 1.96. Um, Jonathan Quick, six games, 1.98. John, uh, sorry, Semyon Varlamov, five games, 205. John Gibson, uh, nine games, two one nine. Cam Talbot, eleven games, two two one. And then number nine, Linus Hallmark, eight games, two two three. Um, that's the goals against. Uh, save percentage wise. So the, uh, obviously, Olmark and Swayman both top ten in, in uh, goals against. Save percentage, no surprise. Jeremy Swayman, number one, uh, nine four four. Uh, Semyon Varlamov, nine point four. Aiden Hill, 939. Thatcher Demko, 935. James Reimer, 933. Jordan Bennington, 930. Jonathan Quick, 928. And then Linus Allmark, 7, tied with Quick at 928 as well. So you got, you got, both your goalies are top 10 in the, in the most important goalie sets. Um, and yeah, Swayman is your number one right now. And, but not like, I mean, not by a lot. Yeah. Swayman's, yeah. Swayman's going to mess around and win the Vesna this year. He might. All right, here's number four. If you could go to the Bruins with one celebrity, <laughs> who would it be? Oh, I have to think. I have to think about this. I have to. Think, I have to think. Um, if I go to the Bruins with one celebrity, I know. Who? And he has to be he just like my rules. 
in in bringing him. He has to be into the game and like invested. Give me David Ortiz. I want to go to a game with David Ortiz, who's fully invested in the game. That is like the lamest pick. Why? What? Because that's How? a layup. Come on. Da- oh, let me just take uh, the most beloved athlete in Boston <sighs> to the Bruins game. No, I would take OJ Simpson. why 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 we went from Uh, the most obvious to the like wild card pick no i wouldn't i wouldn't take oj i um i don't know i feel like i feel like will ferrell would be a lot of fun or adam sandler oh adam sandler i feel like adam sandler is probably probably the home run pick it's not the most fun pick but i feel like you you would have a lot of fun with adam sandler only, only if he dress if, if he brings the Happy Gilmore jersey though, in no, the golden cutter. I'm with you. I'm with you, Adam yeah. Sandler. Adam Sandler, come to a game with us. Adam Sandler and OJ, and Big Poppy. You can take the back seat. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> all right, number six, five. Oh uh, wait. Oh yeah. Sorry, number five. If you're on the garden and you're on the jumbotron, what dance move are you hit? What dance move? Yeah, maybe the. Uh, you know what I do? I stand in the aisle and I just start doing the card night, Joe. I like it. We should. Uh, I don't really know a lot of dance moves. I'm not the best dancer. I think I would just like start like moving and not know what I'm doing. You know, like, there I you go. Just start Throwing my body all over the place. I feel uh, like you'd start doing the Conor no. McGregor when he's doing the. No, you know what? The old. <laughs> the old belly roll. The belly roll. They would. You would get escorted out of the arena in handcuffs if you started <laughs> doing the belly roll at the Bruins game with a jumbotron. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's what I do. That's what I would do. There's the five questions from. Good old boy, Chris. Shut should up, we Chris. should we jump into Jack's DM? I think yeah, we should jump across the pond. All right, Shut we're up. going across the pond. Friend of the pod, Jack. You can follow Jack on Twitter at a Jack B underscore. Jack said, "Hey team, first of all, a quick Darth Maul correction." was a toss-up between Campbell and who I picked, so ignore the Oilers farm comment. This was because, if I'm not mistaken, was Jack the one who sent us his uh, hockey player, Star Wars player comparisons on Twitter? I believe so. I believe it was. Uh, He said, also, the R2-D2-C3PO comparison could easily be Olmark and Swayman, but I think they need a few more years of the brick wall tandem to get the honor of becoming the lovable droids. Mm. Very good point. Loved the Sharks bashing last week and got mad FOMO that I couldn't throw my pence. And then he has in parentheses, sense. And so here it is. <laughs> Look at their cap space. They have $2 million left and are that bad. They spent $81 million. That's 81 Lucic JVRs, <laughs> 16, Omark, 16 Omarks, or 23 Swaymans. I know what I'd rather spend $81 million on. Also, with the Oilers being so bad, does that mean the Sharks can't even win at tanking? Mel mentioned that the Leafs are like a reality TV show. Do you remember when Prime did an all or nothing, clearly expecting them to do something in the postseason, but true to form, they leafed all over themselves and crashed out in the first round? Yes, I've turned doing a leaf into a verb for for failing. Poor Prime only got four episodes out of them. Bruins from the week 
Love the coil Hattie and pasta being unselfish to give him the puck to tuck it home. Also love that coil initially gave the puck to pasta when he could have fired at the open at himself. Such a good team vibe. We got going question this week is who do you all reckon the best signing of the season has been can be Bruins based or league wide based personally I think it's JVR and that's not taking the piss that your mate got the jersey he's such a menace on the PP parking his ass in front of the net I think his influence on the team can be invaluable later in the season loving the Bruins community you guys are building on Twitter it's great to be able to talk Bruins from across the pond cheers I'm I think it is JVR. JVR is probably I mean he's making what a million dollars and he right now he's got 11 points in 15 games. Holy <laughs> shit dude, I knew it was that good. I didn't know he was that good. Dude, a million bucks for for that kind of production. I mean, it's got to be JVR. I think it has to be JVR. I'm even I'm trying to think of like other uh like low money contracts like JVR across the league that are performing. I'm sure we're missing one. I can't think of anybody. Yeah, I'm off the top of my head. Um, yeah, right. I don't I don't know. Um looking right now, I mean Danton Heinen seven seven five again for the Bruins, but um <laughs> I mean, just oh, you know he's not really producing, but I feel like um oh god damn it, what's his name? Uh, on the Rangers, came from Winnipeg. How am I blanking on his name right now? Um was it Blake Wheeler? Yeah, it was Blake Wheeler. He's got three, oh, points yeah. in, three points in 14 games. But, I mean, Rangers are humming, and he kind of solidifies that bottom six. But he's not producing the way that JVR is. How is – um? I know he wasn't a free agent signing, but how is uh, PLD doing this year? PLD right now um, – let me see. <laughs> PLD <laughs> – Eight points in 14 games, minus three, averaging just under 17 minutes time on ice. You know who hasn't looked good this year? Dmitry Orlov. Oh, he has not. Carolina doesn't really, like, look amazing. Did you see they're bringing back the, uh, the, the, the pants pants? Yeah, I hate the Cooperalls or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love it. I hate it. I hope they wear them for a game. They're, I think they're gonna. The Flyers did. And, dude, it looks so dumb. I thought it was just for warmups. Uh, you might and be right I, about I didn't, that. I didn't see anything saying otherwise. I just, I it would, I thought it would be ridiculous if they wore that for a full NHL game. <laughs> Imagine trying to do like crossovers, no, <laughs> that's a, crossovers with jeans on. <laughs> dude, you're wearing, you're wearing like the you're wearing the sweatpants that make like the. <laughs> every time you want i will say i will say though the the whalers jerseys are so clean can i ask so you a question clean. about that yeah do you think that the carolina Hurricanes should be wearing those as if they're their own as a fan of hockey i say yes knowing people from the hartford area I would say no, because the way that Carolina left Hartford was bitter and it was ugly and uh, they lost their hockey team. So to see the team that left and deserted them now suddenly, oh, we're the Hartford Whalers, buy our jerseys and suddenly going back to their heritage, even though they burned the city of Hartford and left Connecticut in the pile of rubble. Yeah, they have a right to be mad. Everyone yeah, forgets that. Connecticut has never recovered. <laughs> yeah, they're still reeling from losing the Whalers. They have the Connecticut Sun now, and I think they just won 
They might have just won a championship. They were in a championship recently. But still, and um, but as a fan of hockey, like th- I feel like there is no former NHL team that is as famous, beloved, well-known as the Hartford Whalers. Every hockey fan knows the Hartford Whalers. The H with the whale tail, the green and the blue. Who could forget? Coach Pierre Maguire, Gordy Howe. I mean, it, the team is like, Stuff of legends, and of course, we were too we're too young to have remembered seeing them play because they literally were not around when I was born. But it's cool to I think it's cool to see the uh, the Carolina Hurricanes suddenly rebrand their Twitter to the Hartford Whalers, and a couple times a year, you know, they go out there and they wear their Hartford Whaler jersey. I think it's cool. I love it. But if I was you know from yeah. Hartford or Connecticut, I would probably hate it. Yeah, it's a little throwback to the past. I don't mind it. It just feels a little bit weird that they they hype it up so much as if it's like a throwback to, I, I get what they're doing, but it just well, they, feels I mean, a little weird. Yeah. They only do it because everybody loves the jerseys and they buy them. Like you don't right, see the right, Winnipeg, right. you don't see the Winnipeg Jets having an Atlanta Thrashers night. Like nobody, who the hell would buy an Atlanta Thrashers jersey? Right. Like I, oh, although, although you do see the Dallas stars, they're now wearing the Minnesota North stars jerseys. They do yes. do that. So yeah. some, some teams are starting to come around. It also helps that Minnesota has a team again now, but, sure. uh, but yeah, no. I, I wonder if we're gonna see more teams do that now. Like who who became the Nordiques? Oh, the Avalanche. The Avalanche. Yes. Don't they wear a Nordiques jersey too? They they do. Yeah. So what the hell are you going on? <laughs> I'm not, well, no. But I, I I mean no, I know. But not 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 every team that left. That's true. Just shit on or, or or left as ugly as Hartford did. Like when That's true. when when Atlanta left, they went to Winnipeg. That was Atlanta's like third time having a team. Like they, they gave you every opportunity and you blew it. Like they, they knew that they were going to leave too. I'm not familiar with how Quebec left the Nordiques left. I know that they, Quebec is a really small market team and it kind of, it, it wasn't easy having players go there or streaming their games because it's all French up there. And I know they, they right. struggled with that as well as the, I think there was an issue with the money too um, because the Canadian dollar wasn't, or at least when the Nordiques were around, the Canadian dollar was uh, so le- so much less valuable than the American dollar that they they were having a really hard time turning profit. And there was a bunch of things that contributed to them leaving, which I think like makes sense. But like Hartford, they just they just got up and left Hartford and went to Carolina. Yeah. Although when I think about it, it's kind of crazy thinking about Hartford having an NHL team because like if if you've ever driven past Hartford on the highway, like you know if if like you look out the other side of the window, maybe at a car passing by, you just miss the entire city. Yeah, so. right. It's a it's a it's a drive it's a drive through state. Yeah. So uh, I don't know, and it also doesn't help that they were they were smushed. They're within three hours of two of some of the biggest NHL markets in the in the league. Between the Rangers, you can include the Islanders. It's not a major market, but there's another team there in the Boston Bruins. And also, right. you're just a drive up north to like Montreal. And I mean, I know you can tell it for other teams, but like you said, drive through state. You got Boston on one side, New York on the other side. They were never going to last, anyways. Yeah. Um, shout out to shout out to Jack. Um, we another... do have. Sorry. Oh, I was gonna go to Ethan's two part. Oh, wait, before uh, we go to two-part. Ethan's two part, let's go to John O. Okay. And you and I, you and I always talk. You can follow John on Twitter at Johnny O underscore seven seven seven. And John, you have sent us DMs and and you've tweeted questions at us before. And Sully and I were laughing at this because you literally <laughs> always do it the day our episode drops, like the day after we record. You ask us a question on Twitter, and we're like, ah, oh, shit, okay. Well, so we try to remember it for the next episode, and we always forget. But yeah. you sent this one in, uh, I think, oh, November eleventh, so like four days ago. 
So he asked, DM for the pod, who is the bigger rival right now, Montreal or Toronto? Oh, Toronto. For it, sure. I, I, hate, I hate, hate Toronto. I think it has to be Toronto. Although, Montreal, I mean, yeah, listen, Montreal is always going to be, they're always going to be top two. Toronto, I think obviously Toronto and Boston don't like each other. Original six teams, very long history. They're not far uh, from Boston either. Um, and their recent history has definitely fueled this rivalry. Yep. But like, who's to say 10 years from now, if Toronto starts sucking again, they miss the playoffs. Other teams might rise and fall on the power rankings of most hated teams. Montreal will always be top two. Yeah. Even, when oh, Montreal, yeah. even when Montreal sucked, we never forgot about them. And I am happy now that Montreal is starting to come around. Me too. They, they got a team going there. I know they were in the cup. Uh, what one was that? 2020? That was I mean, do that you count that? Yeah, no. I, I mean, no. I know they're in the cup, but I think it was very telling that that was immediately followed by the first overall pick. Just saying. Um, yeah. But no, I, I'm with you. I think Toronto is definitely the bigger rival right now, but we will never forget our hatred for Montreal. They will always be number two if they're not number one. I will say too, um, like you said, uh, well, obviously, like Bertuzzi going to Toronto, uh, um, the Bruins and and Phil Kessel, Phil Kessel, us taking Tuka Rask, um, the recent playoff history between Toronto and Boston just absolutely fuels the rivalry between obviously the Bruins and the Maple Leafs. Um, but it is so refreshing now to see Montreal kind of, like you said, picking up steam a little bit and being at least competitive, right? Because the thing that fuels rivalries is competition. Like if, if we, if Montreal's at the bottom of the standings every year and we just thump them and there's no playoff threat or meaningful games between the two, then the rivalry lacks. Yeah, but and- um, with, with sorry, but with, with Montreal, like now they have Arbor Jacki. They got Brendan Gallagher back in the lineup, who's basically a Walmart version of um, Brad Marchand. Yeah. <laughs> um, they got Uri Slavkovsky, first overall pick, um, big power forward. They got Cole Caulfield, who's coached by basically an older version of himself in Martin St. Louis. Um, they got a couple of other guys too. Uh, uh, Kirby Doc? He tore his ACL. Yeah, I was trying to remember. He's but okay. Yeah, well, Kirby Doc, Nick Suzuki. I mean, they 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 they're getting better. Yeah, and the cool the thing that I always liked about uh, Toronto as well. I know you we were just talking about Montreal, but I always liked about Toronto is that for rivalries purposes, is that like Boston fans like obviously were extremely passionate, but like Boston fans are also like like assholes, you know. And like yep. they'll just say it how it is, and like not afraid to start an argument on Twitter or in the stands or like wherever it might be. And like Toronto fans, they're just so passionate about their team. Like they don't like they don't like anything other than like hockey and and Drake. Like that's <laughs> do they <laughs> like? I mean, I guess they like the Raptors too when they're doing well. But it's all about the Toronto Maple Leafs up there. <laughs> Your light just turned off. It's all about the Maple Leafs up there. So when the Maple Leafs are good and the Bruins are good and they meet in the playoffs. And it's like you have suddenly you have like the most, I, I can honestly say, I think that the Toronto Maple Leafs fans are the most passionate fans in professional sports. I've never, like yeah. I've never seen anything like it. Um, it like to, to even to have the embarrassment as a Maple Leafs fan to say some of the stuff you say 
to 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 outwardly express your confidence in your team year and year and year and year again, that takes some balls, man. Like I, I wouldn't be able to do that as a Maple Leafs fan. I would want to climb into a hole and and probably hide my jerseys until they made it back to the playoffs or at least made it into the second round. Maybe that's why we're seeing them all over the place again because they finally did for the first time in almost two decades. But yeah. um, whenever they play against the Bruins, it is always such a heated, passionate rivalry. And um, there's nothing like it, I think, right now in Boston sports than the rivalry that the Maple Leafs and the Bruins have. Yeah, yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, and it's so funny because it's like they always take us to the brink of like, oh shit, like we actually might lose, and then we just come back in and just crush our souls. And it's like yeah. you, it, it's you it's guys. It's almost like a yo-yo. It's like you know, like it's like when you're playing with like uh, like your little brother, and yeah. like you know, like eventually, like they start getting bigger. And uh, suddenly they're a little faster and suddenly like you play basketball out front and maybe the game's a little closer, but they're never going to beat you. And like, it's like you're holding your, your arm out with their forehead on the palm of your hand. And they're just like head down, like swinging, like just trying to hit you. (laughs) And you're just standing there laughing because you know, it's not going to happen. They've had three to one series leads that they've lost. They've had four to one leads in game seven of playoff rounds against the Bruins that they've lost. I mean, it's just, they've taken our players and they've sucked when they went there. <laughs> they've lost trades to the Bruins. They've lost games to the Bruins. They've lost playoff rounds to the Bruins. They're just, I don't know. I don't know what else I can say. We already hey. spent ha- half an episode last time talking about the Maple Leafs. Hey, but at least last year they got out of round one, right? But, I mean, they didn't win a game in round two. So, does it really That's count? True. That's <laughs> true. And, really hey, count? At least the Bruins won three against the Florida Panthers. I mean, come right. on. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah, so shout out to Johnny O, dude. There we go. We finally got it in the show. Let's go. <laughs> um, so keep coming in with the questions, man. But um, jumping over to Ethan 2.0's two parters. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at IncredibleMrE7. He's been sending us DMs since basically episode one. So shout out to Ethan. Um, but he comes in and he asks, here's my question. 15 games in, who from the free agent signings have impressed you the most? He said definitely J- JVR for himself. I think we can both just say really quickly because we both just agreed that the best free agency signing in the whole league was JVR. I think we can both agree with Ethan here. Yeah, I would be JVR. I was trying to think of some random like coach that they hired or something, but I, <laughs> yeah, <and> JVR. <laughs> um, and then he said flip side. Who's impressed you the least and needs to step it up? Cannot say Brown because he's clearly impressed someone and I'm still trying to figure out who because he's still on this goddamn team. Give us McLaughlin already. <laughs> um, probably Derek. No, I'm just kidding. Um, okay. I have an answer. but it, it, No, it's actually no. That's a cop out answer. Were you going to say DeBrusque? No. I think because I think he's talking. I'm, I think he's talking only the free agent signings. Oh, I was. Listen, I was gonna say Lucic, but that's not fair because he's hurt, and when he was in, he was yeah. making an impact. Um, and the only reason I would say that is just based off his injury, so that's not really fair. Um, you know, not a free agent signing, but he is a new player, and I, I wasn't expecting a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. But what I saw on the ice was definitely not what I was expecting. And that is Ian Mitchell. Mm. The games that he has played in. Oh, Fuck, my God. 
You know what? That's, that's, that's who you traded Taylor Hall for? I know it was a salary <laughs> dump, but still. He, uh, I didn't know what to expect with Ian Mitchell. I didn't know much about him. I know that they the, the Bruins last year, or in the offseason, they got like a collection within a couple of months of like three to four young defensemen. They had him. They got that Regula guy. They got... Um, that guy from Vancouver, the Swedish guy, I don't know his name, but I think he was part of the Studnika trade. They got a couple of guys all at once, and uh, Ian Mitchell was the only one who had, I don't want to call him legitimate NHL minutes, but he had an NHL games under his belt. Um, I thought that his style of play was very similar to that of Connor Clifton, who they just lost, and I was excited to see what he could do, maybe as a third pairing guy. I know they have Shattenkirk, but I was ex- oh, Shattenkirk, he's another Frisian guy. He's looked great as well, yep. but I was excited to see what Ian Mitchell could do when he got uh, minutes this year. I thought he looked good in the preseason. I thought the regular season started, and I want this guy as far away from yeah. the Bruins organization that he could possibly go. Send him to the KHL. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a that's a good pick. Um, it's probably it, it has to be Mitchell, right? And especially because he came in during the preseason and he looked really good. Like we, you know, the general consensus was like, oh, this guy could easily be your seventh defenseman, like like reliably. And then you know, guys got hurt, and we saw him come into the lineup and play regularly, and we were like, oh, Jesus Christ, <laughs> this is not the same guy. <laughs> what happened? Who is this? <laughs> yeah, yeah no, I, he has not looked good at all. No, uh, no, it's, it's you're right. It's Ian Mitchell. That was a good call. <laughs> I was I was struggling, um, but yeah. So shout out to Ethan again. Follow him on Twitter at Incredible Mister E Seven. Um, let's see here. So jump j- jumping into the replies to the the recording day tweet. Um, we'll start with B's memes. Follow them on Twitter at Big Bad Bees Memes. Shout out to him. They said, what has to happen for me to never have to watch? Wow, this is actually very fitting. What has to happen for me to never have to watch Ian Mitchell or Patrick Brown play professional <laughs> hockey in a Bruins sweater ever again? I don't know, man. Go blind? I mean, they keep putting them out there all the time. I Like Ethan 2.0 said, I don't know what freaking dirt Patrick Brown has on – Don Sweeney or Jim Montgomery, but he's always getting thrown into the lineup for no reason. I, I don't know why. I literally like Mark McLaughlin. I'll take oh, him over them. Here's a question for you, actually, kind of related to the question. But um, what do you think is going to happen with Steen? Like when Lucic oh. comes back and bottom six is healthy, do you think Steen's staying or do you think maybe is Lauko going back down? See, that's the thing. I think it's a choice between Lauko or Steen. Uh, Dark, dark horse situation here. What if Heinen? What if you keep Steen and Lauko on that fourth line? What do you and send down Lucic? You well, you can't send him down, but you wait. You wave him. You don't wave him. You can health bomb him. No, you can't do that to Lucic, man. I that's but but Steen looks fucking great. Lauko obviously is a uh, an electric rod on the fourth line. And then Lucic can be that guy that comes in when someone's hurt or they need rest. And like we said, too, to start the season, did did we not say, like, we don't expect him to play all, you know, the majority of the season anyways? Yeah, and then we saw him play, and he looked pretty good. Yeah, but that, that was only for, like, four games. 
Oh, yeah, but 15 games into the season, Jim Montgomery is the greatest Bruins coach of all time. No, no, that's <laughs> no, that's no, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> but I don't know. I love Lucci. I don't know. And I, I, I do don't know. Too. How, I don't know how many, like, in all honesty, I don't know how many games Lucic has left. Like, he's 35. He's not the player he once was at this point. He's a fourth line player. And obviously, the Bruins are very happy to have him. But the, the kind of player that he is just isn't. They don't grow on trees in the NHL anymore. They're not as right. desired as they once were. Right. So I want to see as much Lucic as I can yep. before he retires or hangs him up or whatever, because he's got to be getting close. And uh, like he wasn't hurting the team at all when he was out there. In fact, I think he was doing a lot oh. more good than he was bad. But it's a classic position, same position the Bruins were in last year. They just got too many good players, too many cooks in the kitchen. And unfortunately, only none of them – oh, well, Alco can play center. But you don't want to send Beecher down because Beecher's look good. Yep. So I don't know. Yeah, That's I don't. Why I don't get paid the big bucks. They have some interesting decisions to make when he comes back. Um, but uh, there was an update to his his uh, injury progression is going slower than expected. So it's going to be at least another week until he comes back. Um, but what do we have to do to not see those guys play again? Um, Play play guys like Steen, play guys like McLaughlin, play guys like Lucic when he's back. Um, maybe we see Fabian Lysel at some point. I know he's he's doing well in Providence right now, but um, I, I, I with Steen playing as well as he is and Lauko back, I don't see any reason you should see Patrick Brown and then Ian Mitchell too on the defensive end. I mean, he uh, that's, a whole, that's a whole conversation. Lorai, obviously Grizzlick is going to be coming back. Um, Lorai is a whole different conversation. He's he's either the best player on the ice or he's analytically the worst player on the ice. <laughs> yeah, Lorai, no in between. Lorai is all gas, no breaks. I was saying that last Yeah, night. you said that. Yeah. He's either first or he's worst. I've, I've, I've literally never seen anything like it. I don't understand for the life of me what the hell he's doing out there. I don't either. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah. So shout out to Bees Memes again. Follow them on Twitter at Big Bad Bees Memes. Um, this next one comes in. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Tommy. Um, Drop the Mitts Hockey Podcast. Follow them on Twitter at Drop Mitts Hockey. They said, "Has Mason Lori shown enough in his short stint with the Bruins to be a part of this team the rest of the season?" I'm in. In order for him to be a, a member of this top six, you know, unit on the back end, he needs to be more consistent. And also if he's going to be playing top six consistently, who is sitting out? Who's sitting out? Is it Forbert or is it Grizzly? Cause you're not going to, you're not going to sit Lindholm. Um, we talked about it earlier. Forbert is Forbert, but he's valuable on the PK. Matt, this is, this is why when I said Matt Grizzly for Nikita Zdorov, I got cooked, but, and I will admit that. <laughs> but you and mock trades dude <laughs> listen one of these days i'll make a good one but <laughs> but listen if mason lorai is ready if mason lorai is ready why would you not get something for matt Grizzlick in nikita zadorov you go lorai mcavoy lindholm carlo zadorov shattenkirk that's a heavy, big lineup. That's a playoff defensive unit. But the question is, is he ready? Because we were just talking about how if he's not first, he's worst. All gas, no breaks. Right. Well, well, that's, he'll play a great game, and the next game he will literally be the worst player on the ice. You're right. That's that's the conversation. But I'm thinking of it 
hypothetically in a situation where he is in that lineup consistently. I want to see him in the lineup consistently. I love it. I love, I, th- I, I, I don't know. Like I, I feel like he he has the tools in the toolbox to be an NHL player. We've seen it. We saw the first game he had when they played the Leafs. We've seen. I know he's been the worst player on the ice a couple of times, but he's also been the best more times than not, or amongst the best. And I, the only way you're going to turn him into a more consistent player is if the kid plays, and like he's not hurting you when he's out there. I mean, although some of those games he was the worst player on the ice at times. They're still winning games. I mean, they haven't lost a game since the kids started playing and he's doing everything he can on the ice. He's an offensive weapon. And I think if you put him out there with the right partner, if he's playing with the right guy, I don't know. I feel like you're, you're watching the Bruins nurture him in real time. And I want him to stay around. I just, I just, I don't know. I don't know how much I think there's, it's, it's beneficial if he's in Providence getting, you know, 25, 26 minutes a night and he's playing top line power play and top line penalty kill. I get it. But after watching some of the performances he's had, part of me feels like he might have outgrown that by now. Can I say one thing? No. If, if you trade, if you, if, if Lori stays, if Lori stays with the team consistently, right? I think you move Matt Grizzly. I think you have to. The left side defense, if you go Lori, Lindholm, we'll say Forbert, for example, just, just for quick reference. Mason Lorai is 6'5 to 11. Now, second line left defenseman. Hampus Lindholm, 6'4, 224. Third pair, Derek Forbert, 6'4, 216. On the right side, Brandon Carlo, 6'5, 217. Um, Charlie McAvoy, 6'1, 209. Kevin Shattenkirk, 6 feet 203. That is like going against Goliath every single night. <laughs> Who so if 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 they traded Grizzlick and Lori was on this team for the rest of the year, you would put him on that first line pairing with with McAvoy? Yeah, I want him with McAvoy. Cuz the only thing I, I I would only worry about it if if he can keep up with McAvoy. I mean, if he's playing those heavy minutes in the NHL with Charlie McAvoy every night playing Every time McAvoy swings his leg over over the boards, he's matching up against the other team's best line every single time. It and is, now you're yeah. and, and now you're throwing Lorai directly into the fire too. I would I part I think I would feel more comfortable if he was playing with Carlo, you know, a stout, stay at home, steady defenseman. Okay. But I also like don't wanna like blow my load on the top line with McAvoy and Lindholm too, you know, like I like having them separate, and you're not having Derek Forbert as your top line guy. I'm yeah. that's not happening. So, ah, uh, I don't know. I don't Listen. know. I almost, I almost, and I know we were. I know it makes sense to trade Grizzly. I think he has the value, and he's making more money than Forbert. But and we've been talking about Forbert, but I would like it if it was Grizzly McAvoy because it works. And, yeah. and and Grizzly can keep up. He can skate with McAvoy. He can keep up with those top line players. I like Hampus Lindholm and I like Brandon Carlo. That's I a do. slam dunk of a pairing. And then Lori and Shattenkirk. It's not bad. It's not bad. I I don't hate it. I would just be I would be I would be weary about uh putting this kid on your top line pairing after like six games with McAvoy yes. and just throwing him to the wolves every night. I would be a little afraid of that. No, that's that's fair. I just worry about Grizzly in playoffs because he just gets oh, bullied, yeah. dude. But th- that's why. Okay, 
That's why I advocated for a guy like Nikita Zadorov. He's 6'6", 248. He's got six points through 14 games this year. He's a mammoth, dude. If you listen to him in interviews, he's a leader. Um, he's not afraid to step up and use his body, obviously. And the thing that people have been saying for years and years and years and years is that the Bruins back end is only missing a, an Adam McQuaid type, a Johnny Boychuk type, a, Kevin Zdeno, Miller. a Kevin Miller type. Nikita Zadorov is that guy. He's 6'6", 248, and he is a proven heavyweight. And, and he hasn't been on a good team. Like, put him on this lineup, and I think you could see – you could get the best out of him. He's a former – he's a former third – he was the 16th overall pick in 2013. He's he it's it's another one of these younger guys who had potential and they were on shitty teams around shitty players. Bring him over with Montgomery. Look what he did with Zaka. Look what he's doing right now with Patra. Look at what he's able to get out of these guys. He gets the best out of everybody. I I hate asking you for of all people for mock trades, but oh what do you what do you think it would cost for the Bruins to get him? I tried this already on Twitter and I listen, this one was weird because obviously <laughs> listen, obviously, obviously a, a lot of my following on Twitter is Bruins fans, right? Like that just makes sense. Um, but when I put that mock trade out, obviously it got on on Calgary fans radars as well. I had Bruins fans telling me that I should ne- never tweet again. Like I'm like I'm the biggest idiot in the world, and I had Calgary fans in my mentions being like, they can get way more than this for Zadorov, and I'm like, where is the where is the middle? I'm like, what makes sense? Like, so I don't know. I really I don't know. I I don't I couldn't give you. I couldn't I couldn't do it. I don't know. I'm afraid to speak on this. <laughs> I know you you've had a tough time with mock trades the last couple of weeks. I'm over two. Um, I. I like it. I like the grit. I like. I was looking to see what what side Mackenzie Wegar plays. He's right D. Um, I don't know. I would like it. I mean, you kind of sold me. I, to be honest, I don't know too much about the guy, but I know that you've been talking about him for a while. And you're right. This Bruins team does need some grit. They need somebody to muck it up. They need some sandpaper in this defensive lineup. And not to say that the Bruins defensemen are like soft. They're not by any means necessary. But we've talked about this before. They're not going to have yeah. a guy who's going to go and, well, I mean, you know. Lindholm's not, not going to muck it up. Grizzlick's not going to muck it you up. Know what? They're not. They're not soft, but they're 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 plush. They're like right. fuzzy. You know. Yeah. They're just. I can agree with that. You you would like a little more, and uh, a player like like that is exactly I think it could help this team because the Bruins, like you were just mentioning, you were just listing off the names. They've always had that guy. They, That's what you I'm know, saying, dude. They're, they're boy Chuck. They're Char. They're Kevin Miller. They're Adam McQuaid. They're sure there's they other guys we're forgetting as well. They've always had that guy, and they haven't had a guy like that since Kevin Miller retired. And the only thing that would make me wary about this is that his deal does expire after the season. So, um, how much uh, is he making right now? Right now, Nikita Zadorov. Um, uh, ask me in a second, Nikita Zadorov. Hey, how much is Nikita Zadorov making right now? Um, I no Nikita Zadorov is making three point seven million dollars. Okay, I like it. I'm telling you, dude. I'm telling you. I'm oh, and he's and he's Russian. Yeah, he's I, a I think I think it was Ethan Moriarty, Ethan 1.0, who was saying that the like the last 
30 Stanley Cup champions have all had a Russian on their team. And that's another reason why we were so excited to get Dmitry Orlov last year. But now he's gone. Bruins have none. There are no Russians on this team. Go and out and get how, yourself one of the Russians. And how good did Dmitry Orlov fit in this system? Nikita, <gasps> I'm telling you, dude. Nikita's if you're listening right now and you really aren't familiar with Nikita Zadorov, just go on YouTube really quick and just watch a highlight reel of him. Honestly, just Google him and look at his picture. Oh my god. Dude. He looks like he's like a oh, I would he's got a scar on his lip, his eyes are all jacked up. You can tell this is a guy who can really muck it up. Getting the hairy areas. Oh, and he was drafted by Buffalo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. I'm oh my god, that's like my dream. Not my dream, but I would like just <laughs> adding <laughs> adding Nikita Zdorov into this lineup. All right, so <sighs> I need it. I need it. I I just need it. I don't know. I don't. I need it. What are you gonna uh, do? When, what are you gonna do when it gets tough in the playoffs and you're rolling with Matt Grizzlick, Hampus Lindholm, and and freaking I don't know, dude. It's listen, just, listen. This should be. This is this little bit of information right here makes it a home run pick. Do you know who Nikita Zadorov was playing for when he was drafted in 2013? By the Buffalo Sabres. I do not. He was playing in the OHL for the London Knights. Hey. Brett Brett Howard's London Knights. It just makes sense. It has to happen. I don't know what it's going to take, Donnie, but get him over here. I love him already. Listen, I know for people listening, maybe I sound a little biased because I did get cooked on Twitter for the, for the, <laughs> for the idea. But Nikita Zadorov is what this – team needs i really i i actually might die on that hill i'm all aboard baby yep yep all right so uh let's see shout out to chris shout out to tommy shout out to drop the mitts hockey podcast at drop mitts hockey the next question comes in and we only got a couple more left um from baz 0157 shout out baz follow him on twitter at baz 0157 he said at 12 1 and 2 where do you think the Bruins need to clean up or what do you think the Bruins need to clean up the most? Is there a legit trade deadline player you think they should go, should be going after and who we dump and who do we dump? If so, I can't read right now. Also <laughs> is Pacha just going through a typical rough patch. Will we see him break out this season? I One think weakness. Yeah. Ah, uh, ah, uh. I, I don't like that they lost a game. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, I I mean maybe maybe they could score some more goals. I mean, they've done a great job of keeping the puck out of the net. Sometimes they've would like to. I would like to see them blow the doors off of more teams. That's what I want to see. They beat the shit out of Buffalo the other night, but it's felt like a lot of these wins have been like three two, three one or two one. You yep. know, All I want to see kind of close. I want to see a good 60-minute domination. Mine is... Oh, crap. Hang on. <sighs> My bad. <laughs> uh, I had a, the Bruins have had a couple of... You know what they should, They could do better? Oh, I was going to say they could do be better in the shootout, but they actually won the game in the shootout because we were <laughs> there. I forgot about that. My weakness is the power play. Um they're running at a 22% power play right now. Um, I, I, that needs to get better. That that needs to get better. 
But other than that, I mean, goaltending is great. The depth is great. Defense is pretty good. The depth on defense has already been tested too. Um, so yeah, I would say power play, but that's really about it. But in terms of Matthew Patra, uh, he got an assist last night in Buffalo. Um, he went on a three game pointless streak. He's got eight points through 15 games right now, four goals, four assists. Um, I don't even know if it's necessarily a rough patch. I think, you know, as a rookie, as a 19 year old kid coming into the league, um, it's, you're going to have stretches of like three, four five games where you're making stuff happen, but you might not find yourself on the score sheet. Um, yeah. And it's not like he sucked. Like he's still, you know, he's, he's still playing well defensively. He's just not. Um, getting goals like he did against Detroit every night, which was right. disgusting. By the way, yeah. I still think about that goal every now and then. Yeah, and I mean that's how it's going to be. That's how it's going to be this season for him. And I mean that's really how it is with every rookie. I mean we saw Connor Bedard even go through it a little bit early in the season. Uh, it seems like he's figuring it out now. But yeah, that's not, not not comparing Padre and Bedard at all. But um, <laughs> yeah, I mean that's it's going to happen. Padre's going to go through these streaks where he's not putting up points but as long as he's out there and he's not a liability i wouldn't be worried or or, or concerned at all you know he's, yeah. he's gonna go through these stretches but i'm right with you yeah so shout out to baz um again at baz 0157 this next question comes in from dirty water 63 follow them on twitter at bruins rob 63 they said is there any player not named swayman or Olmark? that could potentially be traded at the deadline. Also, who wins in a Hextall versus Potvin type fight? Sway or Bennington? Oh my God. I know okay. everybody would love to see Sway kick Bennington's ass. Yeah, the only thing though is that Bennington is batshit crazy. Yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. And and he would not fight fair either. Swayman is a gentleman. Swayman is a gentleman. And yep. he would approach that fight with class and chivalry. And he would remove his helmet and place it on the ice and put his dukes up. And uh, <laughs> Jordan Bennington would probably take his helmet off and whip it at Jeremy Swayman. Maybe get a little handful of snow and throw it in his face and try to blind him. <laughs> and then he'd probably grab his stick and and try to attack Swayman with it. And uh, it's almost like a prison roll fight. I feel like with Sweat with with Bennington. Honestly, yeah. if it was a straight up fight, I think I would take Swayman. Uh, Swayman's kind of ripped too, honestly, for a goalie. Swayman is jacked, dude. He's dude. He's. <laughs> I know you can't tell with the pads on, obviously, but yeah. the dude's jacked. Um, so I feel like in a straight up fight, I would take uh, Swayman. But you're not going to get a straight up fight with Jordan Bennington because he's a bitch, and yeah. I would probably take Bennington. Yeah, and he's he's literally nuts. But I mean, obviously, you saw when Brennan Gallagher got in Swayman's face, and Swayman's just like looking at him. He's smiling at him. dude. I listen. I can't say it, but <laughs> say it. No, nope, say it. I have a girlfriend. I'm very happy. <laughs> but uh, that okay. We're uh, <laughs> so a potential player that could be traded at the deadline. I'm gonna say Jake Dubrusque. Jake Dubrusque. Ah, potentially. I want to throw out a fun player because he said no Omar, no Swayman. We've already talked about Grizzlick. Yeah, Forbert is always a possibility. What? What about JVR? 
And listen, no. shut up. I already knew you were gonna say that. No. Let me give let me give my reasoning. Yeah, let me okay. give my reasoning. Okay. The the Bruins, if they're trading a player, I, I I feel like if the Bruins are making moves, if they're trading any of their NHL caliber players, it's because they suck. Like I, they're twelve one and one right now. Everything's going right. Their offense is producing. 12-1-2, sorry. Their offense is producing, their defense is playing well, and they have the two best goalies in the league. So if you're improving this team, I feel like you're trading picks, you're trading prospects, you're 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 adding players to your roster, you're not subtracting it. So if it gets to the point where the Bruins are trading a player not named Omar or Swayman, I feel like it's because maybe they're blowing up the roster, maybe they've had injuries, Maybe something catastrophic has happened and they're slipping from the rankings. And if that happens and they hit the trade deadline and the Bruins are out of the playoff picture, who's going to be more valuable than JVR at the way he's playing right now? Yeah. 11 and 15 games making $1 million. I mean, if there's a team making a playoff push who maybe needs uh, like, imagine if JVR is playing the way he's playing right now and a team really needs some help on their third line and they can plug in JVR. Oh, I feel like the Bruins could cash in heavy if that was his case. Now, I don't think that's going to happen because I don't think the Bruins are going to hit the trade deadline. They're going to be in a, in, a, in a spot where they need to start selling off some of these guys. Mm-hmm. So because of that, I, I don't know. I don't th- I, I'm really struggling to find a guy. I don't think DeBrus is getting traded. I don't even think Rizik's getting traded. I don't really know. Um, yeah. But in the scenario I just made up in my head, I think JVR would be – would 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 bring back a lot more than the Bruins obviously gave up for him, which was a million dollars. Yeah. So my uh, another pick that just popped in my head was Matt Grizzlick. Um I feel like that would be tough though because obviously his dad works for the Ice Crew. So I don't. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, if if you you're not just losing Matt Grizzlick, of course you're losing a pillar of the of the of the TD Garden bull gang, whatever the, the hell they're gang. called. Yeah. I the mean, bull they're, gang. they're losing the senior Grizzlick. I mean, I don't. There's an opening, I guess. I mean, uh, if anybody wants to work at the Garden, if they'd be losing two players that day, but I don't know. That would be hard. I mean, I don't. I don't want to know a world post Grizzlix. Yeah, it would be tough. But actually, <laughs> so that, so that was actually the last DM. Um, we so shout out to everybody who sent in the DM questions. Um, thank you for those. Keep them coming. Um, obviously, this week's episode. What's today? Wednesday. So dropping on Thursday, opposed to our normal Wednesday schedule. Um, will we? Are we going to be back on that next week, or are you? Or no, 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 because your family's coming um, back home. So we'll we'll keep everybody updated on that. We'll try um, to figure it out. Yeah, but um, we got a little two game preview before we close the show. So Saturday tilt between the Bruins and the Habs. Obviously, the Bruins lost to Montreal in overtime. That game was chippy. Swayman tried to go with Montebo. Gallagher tried to get in Swayman's face. It was heated. It was a tight game, too. That was that was probably one of the first games against Montreal where I like kind of like, you know, I got up for it. You know what I mean? Yeah, but listen, this game on Saturday, I'm there. I'm gonna be there in person. And and you're one and all on the season. That's right. I'm literally their good luck charm. And if it helps, the last time the Bruins played the Canadians, you know, the game that they lost, I wasn't watching. I was in Connecticut. I did not watch a single second of that game, and they ended up losing. Um, So because of that, with me being in attendance, 4-1 to Bruins. 4-1 to Bruins. I'm going to (sighs) say... I'm going to say it's going to be a heated game. Gallagher's going to try to start shit. Um, but 
that should be yeah that's gonna be a swayman game oh my god we're gonna get swayman again against montreal um and you know what you know what he's gonna slam the door shut oh slamming that door shut and Montreal's gonna pepper him. Don't get me wrong. It's not gonna be one of those like 18 save shutties. It's not gonna be a 22 save shutty. It's gonna be a 32 save shutout from Jeremy Swayman and the Bruins are gonna win five to nothing. It's gonna be a shit storm at TD. Five to nothing. I hope you're right. Yep. It's you know, I feel like there should, be, there should be a tradition like when a player gets a hat trick, obviously everybody throws their their hats in the ice. I feel like we should do something when a when a goalie gets a shutout. Yes, we should. What everybody we- Throw one shoe. Everybody, everybody throw a shoe. We just one. Everybody, everybody's walking out of the garden with, with yeah, the left shoe on. Every you know when somebody gets a hat trick, everybody's walking out of the garden with uh hat hair, hat head. Their hair looks funny because they've been wearing hats. They don't have them on anymore. Imagine when a goalie gets a shutout and suddenly everybody's walking out with just one shoe. That would look hilarious. Everybody's like walking in a circle because you know one foot's heavier than the other now <laughs> how do we get out of the garden hey, guys we can't leave jeremy swimming got a shutout <laughs> i'm getting dizzy um Everybody's all right so, the stairs so Bru- bruins uh me and me and mel both have bees winning that game and then bruins lightning in tampa monday night lightning struggling right now tampa bay is struggling right now tampa bay um Let's see here. They have they've lost three games in a row. They lost to they lost to the Blackhawks, the Hurricanes, and the Blues. They got shut out. They've been shut out two games in a row. Blues and Hurricanes shut them out. Four nothing, five nothing. Tampa's struggling. I think they're starting to feel that Vasilevsky loss a little bit. Yeah. Uh, when is Vasilevsky coming back? He practiced Monday for the first time since undergoing back surgery. You know, that's the first time skating. He's probably still a bit away. Um, I'm going to say that the Bruins win this game and they win it by a score of three to one. I say they win as well by a score of four to two. All right. You know, Vasilevsky's already almost 30. I feel like it was just yesterday. He was 25. I know, dude. But hey, um, episode 67 of the Something's Brewing podcast is always brought to you in partnership with the Primetime Productions. Follow them on Twitter at Primetime Prods. Um, I think I forgot to shout out the the uh, the company in the beginning of the episode, but that's okay. Um, Again, at Primetime Prods, at Primetime Prods. But hey, Bruins are on pace right now. They have a better start than last season. 12-1-2 as we record tonight. Um... Got a big, big matchup with Montreal. And I say big because of, you know, all, all the antics of last game. Jeremy Swayman's back in net for that game as well. Uh, probable. But the way that it's been going this season, it's probably 99% going to be Jeremy Swayman. Um, and I'm sure that's that he wants that net too. But it's going to be a great matchup in Boston. Jealous that you're going. I might try to honestly snag a ticket to that game. Maybe I'll see you there. <laughs> yeah, dude. I, uh, that's a game I want to be at. Um, and then Bruins in Tampa uh, Monday night. But other than that, other than that, Mel, do you got anything else to add? Uh, you can also call and leave us a voicemail. It doesn't just have to be Chris who leaves his voicemails, although I'm not going to lie. His voicemails are always electric, and I do look forward to them. You yep. can call leave us a voicemail at 508-263-0854. That is 508-263-0854. If you miss that, 
for the second time. I'm not reading it a third time. So you can go to our Twitter account at Bruin something. No G. Find the voicemail in the bio. We also need to bring back the spank bank of the week because we yeah. keep oh, yeah. forgetting sure. about it. So uh, we'll figure that out. But um, yeah, we have that. We still have our Twitch at Something's Bruin Podcast. Don't know when we're going to use it because now we use the primetime Twitch, which actually I should plug that. You can f- subscribe and follow the primetime Twitch at primetime prods. The five of us, you, me, Boosie, Brett, and Marty play EASHL all the time. We're going to find a way to stream it where everybody can hear all five of us because I'm not going to lie. It is freaking electric. I don't think I've ever had so much fun playing video games when the five of us play. <laughs> and it's so refreshing for you and you and I because when we played threes with Khan last year, we weren't bad, but we just couldn't win. It was like, uh, I think Dietrich Wise said it today. Like, we have good, we're not a bad team. We have good players. We just don't win games. Like, that's what it was like with us last year. That's not the case this year. We are dominating. We're already in D1. We're destroying people and we're having a good time doing it. And damn it, we're going to find out a way for people to watch too. So you subscribe to that, you, that Twitch channel at Primetime Prods and uh, follow them on Twitter as well at Primetime Prods as well. I think you already plugged that. Yeah. So, um, Right now, uh, right now, the king of our voicemail line is Chris, Chris Louisville at Boston Bruins. Oh, but, I do want to plug. I, I do want to plug one more thing, actually. Um, I wanted to plug. Uh, wait, let me go to his Twitter. I wanted to plug Boosie's campaign. Uh, oh, his Movember campaign. I'm trying to find it. Yep. He doesn't have it pinned to his to his uh, Twitter account, but. I'm sure he'll tweet it out eventually. But Boosie's doing the the Movember campaign. Of course, that's why Sully and I have a little bit of facial hair going right now. Sully's obviously looks better than mine. Not surprised. Um, but I know Boosie's also raising money to support Movember um, through his Twitter account, which I'm, I'll I'll retweet it tomorrow so you can find it on our Twitter accounts as well. But uh, definitely support him. That's a great cause. I know it's something... A lot of guys are supporting every Movember. It's always a good time getting able to grow out the facial hair with the fellas and uh, raising some funds to support a good cause. So definitely check that out on Boosie's Twitter on Only Bruins, and we'll tweet it tomorrow as well on the Bruins Something Twitter account. Yeah, back to you. But um, yeah, if if you're listening right now and you know you want to challenge Lovell for the crown in the voicemail, give that number a call. Um, leave us some voicemails, and and you know, well, you know what. The more voicemails we get, will king a voicemail cr- or sorry, will crown a king of the voicemail line per episode. And right now, Chris owns that. So or queen, think, king or queen. So if you think you can beat that, and you can earn the title of something's brewing voicemail crown of the week, you better call in and you you come better for Chris's throne. Yeah, come for the throne. It's Game of Thrones here on SB. Come for Chris's throne. Come get it. Chris, and Chris, you defend that throne. You defend that throne with your life, baby. But, oh, I can't wait. I hope we get more 3 a.m. voicemails from you. <laughs> yeah. But, hey, other than that, um, you know, hell of a season so far uh, for the Bees. Uh, 15, 30, 45, 60, 75. We're about a sixth of the way through the season. Bruins with one regulation loss. Um Thanksgiving is coming up as well. Great time of the year, but yeah. Episode 67 of the Something's Brewing podcast. As always, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Mike Sullivan. You can follow Nick on Twitter at Nick Melanson underscore, and you can follow the Something's Brewing Twitter account to keep yourself updated on all new episode drops at Brewing something. No G. No G. And with that being said, 
catch you next week. Bye. Dude, why the hell is James crying? Cause he just got dunked on. I came to dance, 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 dance. I hit the floor, cause that's my plans, 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 plans. I'm wearing all my favorite brands, 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 brands. Give me some space for both my hands, 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 hands. You, you, cause it goes on and on and Goes on and on and on.